The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football, baseball, basketball, and more. You're listening to Fantrax Radio, the home of fantasy sports talk. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guy. Guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with the baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Hello out there, and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan, and I am on the road to recovery after celebrating the signing of Trevor Cahill. I am joined by Nick Ligatino. All right, who is? Hold on. Go. You're you're gonna mess me up because I'm gonna say that you are very upset. You are standing outside of Ronald Acuna's house in a leather jacket with a boombox above your head. Because he's been sent down. I told you it was going to happen, but he'll be up on like April 7th. So it's Shut fine. up, Nick. <laughs> and Joe also is very upset. He's conducting candlelight vigils and praying novenas <laughs> for Justin Turner. Oh my God, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a uh, fun show for you guys tonight. We're going to do some blind resumes, some bold predictions, and some risers and fallers. But before we get to that, there's plenty of news, and we'll segue right into Justin Turner. Broken wrist after hitting a, being hit by a pitch. He's out indefinitely. I don't have a time frame on him. Joe, you are a Turner owner in a keeper league. What are your thoughts, and who are you targeting as a potential replacement? There were many choice words um, when I saw the news uh, that – the outlook looks pretty good, though. Um, they, it, the, uh, the fracture didn't actually uh, displace his bones, so he'll be back relatively soon. Like, think five to six weeks is the diagnosis. Um, as far as who I'm targeting, uh, aside from the obvious names, I think Forsyth gets the boost. Yeah, I like Forsyth a lot as a uh, potential grab because he could, you know, get the third base eligibility. He'll have second. Uh, he's batted ball data makes it looks like he looked like he was pretty unlucky last year. Uh, he was also hurt. Um, I, I, I had tweeted out that I liked Colin Moran and Matt Davidson from the White Sox, who was working with Paul Canerico and has been outstanding this spring. Um, those are two other deeper names you might be able to get 
um, off the waiver wire to fill the gap until Turner comes back. All right, so let's talk about the other guy, Ronald Okuna, who was sent down by the Braves. Joe, over, under, with over being past April 15th? What do you think? Yeah, past. Past, right? Yes. Okay, before May 1st. Yes. So somewhere between April 15th and May 1st, he'll be up. Yes. Okay, yep, I agree with that as well. And just out of curiosity, what are you expecting out of Acuna this year? Uh, I'm expecting good things, but probably not as much as the hype around him. Um, give me a stat projection. A stat projection. I'm gonna give uh, you mine first. Sure. No, no, no. Right. Let me, you ask me first. Go. So, uh, 15 home runs, 19 steals. Um, <clears throat> okay. Like 275. Okay, so I have him projected for 22 home runs, 28 steals, 295 average. Suck on that. Okay, so he's basically a first-round pick. Well, he's not a first-round pick, but he will return first or second-round value. (laughs) (laughs) I've got him closer to Joe. I've got him at 14 homers, 19 steals. Yeah, you obviously haven't watched him at all. Well, I just don't, you know. I don't overcommit to spring training. Uh, yeah, especially you know, when he's we'll facing see. single A pitchers. Yeah, the quality of the pitching stat was very interesting, Joe. Um, there's a uh, what was that on Baseball Reference? They have yeah. that. Yeah, Baseball Reference. You can actually see the quality of the pitcher the hitters faced in spring training, and Acuna's is roughly a double A pitcher. So yeah. it is something to keep in mind before getting way too excited. Uh, Alex Cobb signed a four-year deal with the Orioles. Good for him. Good for him in getting that money, but this really tanks his stock, right? Like, yeah, this is, absolutely. This is probably the worst case scenario for him other than maybe Coors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, like, where is he among your starting pitchers now? Roughly 85? Oh, probably even further than that. Would you take him, or would you take the returning Trevor Cahill? You know what? I'd roll the dice on Cahill. Yeah, what? Too. <laughs> oh, my God, Joe. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Joe, it's, it, again, it's been a rough week for you. Uh, Jorge Polanco oh, uh, suspended 80 man. games. This was your boy. Yeah, this was my boy. I thought, I thought I had the death touch this spring training. I, I know we both do, apparently. Well, Joe, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, is there anybody there that you see that could be relevant in his stead? Are you willing to take him and wait the 80 games, or is he just a watch list guy if you cannot stash him somewhere? Okay, so while he was my boy, he's definitely not worth owning for half a season. At least not drafting. He's definitely a watch guy. Um, as far as who to look for in his place, I think uh, Nick Gordon might be the guy. Um, he had he played a, a, pretty much a full season last year in Double A, and the year before that, a full year in High A. Um, and he's probably ready to go and t- uh, t- take take the shortstop job. What, what do you think, Pat? Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to bring him up right away. I don't think right um, away. I agree. I think it's going to be a few weeks. And they were really giving strong consideration to using Eduardo Escobar as a regular. 
Yeah. Um, before they signed Logan Morrison. So I think that might just be the route they go. And then if Gordon forces their hand, he'll force their hand and come up. Um, and if not, I think Escobar can, you know, put together like a 265, you know, high teens power pace with very little on base skills and be kind of boring. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's much there. All right, so quickly, other stuff. We've got Zach Greinke. Um, he may not be ready for opening day, but it looks as though he's going to make his first uh, – he's going to start within Arizona's first turn through the rotation. Mark Trumbo is going to miss a few weeks with a quad strain already hurt. Uh, that pushes him down the boards. Nick favorite Andrew Heaney had elbow inflammation. He's going to miss at least his next start. Mm-hmm. Daniel Murphy, Nick's not favorite, has virtually no chance to be ready for opening day. And I believe he came out today and said, actually, he's not going to be ready for opening day. So he's probably going to start the year on the DL. Cespedes and Adam Eaton return to action. Dan Strelly was shut down with the forearm strain. He's not going to throw for a week. And we're all sad. AJ Puck, bicep soreness, shut down oh, and man. sent down. Um, hopefully it's – just soreness and he finds his way back because we're all big fans here. All right, guys, is there anything that you think I missed that we needed to touch upon or can we move it to blind resumes? Blind resume time. I'm excited. All right, let's do it. Okay. I will do the first one. My first player. They, this, this isn't, these are both outfielders. 151 games played 682 plate appearances, 21 homers, 96 runs, 63 RBIs, 23 steals, 264 average, 778 OPS. Player number two, 151 games, 658 plate appearances, 20 homers, 84 runs, 90 RBIs, 20 steals, a 271 average, and an identical 778 OPS. Okay. Any guesses? Yeah. Can I go first? Sure. All right. Number two is Brett Gardner. No. Who would have who would have so many runs and no RBI with 20 2020 well, Lorenzo, let me, Lorenzo King? Let me just say no. Nick. Oh yeah. Brett you Gardner have- was player one. Ah, not player two. Well, close. And he's at 177.61 ADP. Okay. Player two is not Lorenzo Kane. Joe, do you want to take another guess? Is it his? Uh, can you can you give it to me real quick again? All right. 151 games played, 658 yeah. plate appearances, 20 yep. homers, 84 runs, 90 RBIs, 20 steals, and a oh, 271 average. No, Yelich would have a higher. No, it is that. Andrew Benintendi. With an ADP of 41.5. Oh, I could have got that. So you're expending 130 some odd extra picks for a guy that hit one less homer, stole three less bases, uh, scored 12 less runs, drove in 27 more, and hit seven points higher for average. Can, can I can, can I interject, please? Sure, absolutely. Okay. That's the so, idea. Well, look. First of all, um, I'm glad that you brought up Brett Gardner because I've been a. I thought big, you would. 
Yeah, I'm a big advocate of Gardner's, and I think that his ADP is criminally underrated year after year. I agree. Um, so the value is definitely to be had. Um, the Yankees have a lot of outfielders, but he's in a fine playing time. He's in a fine playing time. The Yankees love him. He's in, he's going to get the at-bats. And he's going to get the extra at-bats because he's going to hit at the top of the lineup. Yes, exactly. So even if he plays a little less, he's going to have a lot of volume when he does play. Exactly. Um, here's the thing. Benintendi... This is where we have our differences. I think that you see a much different ceiling than I see with Benintendi. Because what I see with Benintendi is a guy that could eventually hit, or that could even this year, because he's so well-polished already and disciplined and smart as a hitter. I think this is a guy who could potentially hit 30 home runs and steal 20 bases and bat like close to closer over 300. And he's on a fantastic lineup, which, all right, lineup... Boston Yankees, it's kind of a wash. Um, but at this point right now, Benintendi obviously has the, the higher upside, and you're paying for it. Is it worth this amount of picks? That's the question. So, okay. go ahead, Joe. Uh, well, I, I just have bad news, Nick. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna actually toss in another name here because this was part of my blind resumes. Benintendi was part of my blind resume. So just to, just to recap, right, Benintendi was 271, 2020. 84 and 90, right? So uh, the guy I got, it's his 162 game average over the last two years. It's very important to note. It's 261, 22 home runs, 89 runs, 61 RBI, and 29 stolen bases. I know who this is, I think. So wait, Kev- is it Kevin Kiermaier? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wait, so Joe, you just jumped into your blind resume like that? Well, only because I was comparing him to Benintendi. Okay. Well, we all love Kiermaier, though. Like, come well, on. This is at, yeah, and this is at 182 ADP. I mean, I guess yeah, apparently you know, me and Kiermaier Pat- also gives, obviously, heavy injury risk. It's a worse team. Um, yeah, that's all true. And, and Nick, I just want to chime in and just say, I mean, when it comes to Benintendi, I understand that there's upside there. And, uh, and I don't think that you're far off what <clears throat> I think – the top end of Benintendi is. I agree. I actually like Benintendi. I think it's just at 42, it's a little expensive. Yeah. You're paying for stuff that hasn't happened yet, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's where we both, Pat, uh, have the beef, right? And and just just so the listeners know, we did not compare, obviously, blind resumes. So um, we had a little bit of an overlap. But yeah, I think it's just that the 42 ADP is so high. And it, and it was less about Benintendi, and it's more about... Gardner, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Because Gardner kind of has that Jay Bruce thing that we talked about where he's perennially a, a player that goes outside the top 40 outfielders and yet is always a ends up being a top 30 outfielder. Yeah, um, listen, the, the, the other issue is this. If Hicks was, Hicks was on another level last year. He was phenomenal before he got hurt. And if... Brett starts off even a little slow, and Hicks does what he did last year. He's going to lose a little playing time. And we, we had the discussion about Brett Gardner's at-bats on, on, on one of the previous po- yes. uh, podcasts mm-hmm. where you guys swore he wouldn't come close to 600 I, I and I, I, I did. did. So the, are you are you changing your uh, like idea now that he's not he, – or are you sticking by it that he's going to get like 400 and something at-bats? I, I think he's still going to get like around 450. Okay, so then he and and then from Joe's view, then he's not that valuable. You and you'd much rather have Benintendi at the price. 
Uh, I'm not so sure about that, though. Because I, th- I still think it's pretty expensive for Ben and Tendi. Pat? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was much more in the middle or even closer to you than I was to Joe. I think I had him at about 550. Yeah. You, so, yeah. I mean, but you I, was, I was the low man. Yeah. If you get 550 at bats from Brett Gardner at 177, you're going to be really happy. Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get 18 close to 20 and a good average in a lot of runs. Yes, absolutely. All right. Let's move it to the next one. So 148 games played 635 plate appearances. 10 homers, 15 steals, 94 runs, 62 RBIs, a 273 average, and a 746 OPS. Second player, 128 games played, 577 plate appearances, 9 homers, 15 steals, 85 runs, 34 RBIs, 295, 794. Mm. Guys, care to venture a guess as to who player one is? 10, 15. Well, that's that's a that's an Ian Kinsler line circa 2008, but I'm not going to – I know it wasn't him last year. Um, Joe, do you have a good guess here? Um, I think one of them might be Peraza. No. No. Um, I'm going to – I'm going to guess that one of them is LeMayu. No. No. Okay. Either one. Player one. The 10-15, 94 runs, 62 RBI, 273, 746 guy is Xander Bogarts. Mm. Going at an ADP of 79.71. Uh, looking very unsexy. Player <laughs> two in 128 games, 577 plate appearances, nine homers, 15 steals. No. no. 85 runs, 34 RBIs, 295, 794 is... Cesar Hernandez Ooh, going at 259.77. So Cesar <sighs> Hernandez was basically Sandra Bogart's equal last year, except he played 20 less games and is going a billion 180 later. picks <laughs> later. Now, I know they don't quite play the same position, but they're both middle infielders. Um, so what do you guys think about this? Any thoughts here? Uh, Joe, can I attack this first? Yeah, you're the Bogarts guy. Yes. Oh, well, I'm not the Bogarts guy. I like Bogarts. You're the Bogarts guy. I'll be the Bogarts guy. Look, um, he's one year away from 21 home runs, 13 steals, 294, and 150. Like 700,000 plate appearances. Bats. Yeah, but he had 115 at bats that year. I'm sorry, 115 runs, and he had 100, and he had 94 runs last year, and 84 the year before the 115. So, with Bogarts, you have a very secure number of runs in your lineup. I think last year is an absolute low as far as pop goes. He apparently had a swing change over the winter. He had a couple of home runs in spring training. I expect that number to go back up to over 15. Although the the home run stolen base number isn't sexy. I, I get it. I, I, I see Bogart as a guy who's eventually going to even out at like right around 22, 23-ish home runs. He'll get you close to 15 steals. But it's going to come with a really good average. He doesn't strike out. He's a smart hitter. He walks um, but the bread and butter here is the runs and the team. The Red Sox offense is ridiculous. Um, and he plays in the AL East. So he's going to get you the counting stats. It, it, comparing the two, I am a Cesar Hernandez guy. 
Uh, he's an, another really smart hitter, but he doesn't have the juice and the upside that Bogarts does, nor does he have the, the lineup that Bogarts does, or the well, the ballpark is still pretty good. Um, so I do like the ADP on Bogarts, and I think that Bogarts is the last guy in in uh, one of the shortstop tiers, and there's a pretty far drop after him. What's the Bogarts ADP again? 79.71. He's oh, going man, inside the top 80. So what? Man. What do you mean it's expensive, Joe? He was 10, 15, 273 I, last 94 year. Runs. He's, he, I mean, I really hope that swing changes for real because, my God, he had the most level swing on earth last year. His this – is, this is something that's always stood out to me about Bogarts, and I just don't understand why people don't see it. He's got he's he's had that ability to hit for a high babbit, but the batted ball profile is really not good. Like he should be a below average babbit guy. So I don't even know how safe the batting average is. Now I have heard the reports that he's had a swing change. And if he does have the swing change and can tap into you know, a higher level of power or even, you know, that 20-ish level, he becomes a little more bearable at that point. But I, I think he's really overpriced. I think I this mean, is Red Sox premium 100%. Nick, I have a question for you, right? If he mm-hmm. goes 21-15, if he, if he, if he gets, yeah, 20-21-15, right? And, yeah. and like a 290 average. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Uh, okay. But, but, but like, where, where do you think, where do you think he ends up overall? Like maybe sixty fifth. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like seventieth is his upside like twenty picks past his EDP. But I would argue that his downside isn't further past like fifteen picks because of the average. He's going to hit for average. Okay, so I we only hit for two seventy three last year. I mean, that's 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 not bad. It's not bad, but it's not. But he had he had a three ninety. Okay, so if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there at seventy fifth. You're okay with taking Xander Bogarts, or do you think, or do you think you'd have him like closer to like a hundred? Is this is this Nick going to talk out both sides of his mouth? No, time? no, no. I no, like. Okay. I, I, so I, you would take him at seventy five. I would take him. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. I'm going to be honest. You ready for some honesty? I'm targeting him. I'm targeting him this Saturday in our home league in the fifth round. Yeah, but that's with forty eight guys already off the board. Yeah, so that's they, like a hundred. That's like a hundred. Yeah. All right. Well, let's say that we weren't in a keeper league. I would still target him in the fifth, sixth round. I don't think he would. I don't. Think I would, would not risk giving him up. There is there is a clear drop and a lot of shenanigans. Yeah, Segura is still oh, there. Segura is still there in the fifth or sixth round in a regular draft. Shenanigans. Yeah, I, I'm with Pat. I do like Segura, but okay. Any thoughts on Cesar <laughs> Hernandez quickly before we uh, move forward? He's a he's a really cheap option if you're punting the position. With upside. I, I think he could score like a massive amount of runs this year. Yeah, me too. So, I mean, I'm very much in on Cesar Hernandez. He scored 85 last year, and he wasn't even at the leadoff position the whole year. Yeah, and he missed, you know, what, 34 games? Yeah. So, I and, mean, and there could be mention, more volume there. Did you mention the 373 OBV? I think no, I didn't. hear that number. And, yes, that's an excellent point, Nick. He is a – he is not only a batting average source for you guys, but if you're in an OBP league, he is very attractive there as well. Because he not only hits for the batting average, but he can also take a walk. Yeah, but before we move on, okay, that's enough of Next, 134 innings pitched. 
938K per nine, mm-hmm. 4.22 ERA, 1.15 whip, 4.12K to walk. What was it? All right. Four point what? One two K to walk. One yeah, I know point four two? Four point one two. Is this meta? Correct. Very good. Boom. Nice, Joe. Gold star for Joe. Okay, let's see if we can get player two. 168 innings pitched. 9.86K per nine. 3.54 ERA. 1.21 whip. Oh, I know this is. 3.76K to walk. Wait, actually? No, I don't. I thought I did. Okay. Wait. Joe, t- Joe take a guess and I'm going to guess. Can Joe sweep it? Oh, I know it. I know it. I can't. You said 168 and and three five. Three five four is the ERA. Mm. Uh, the the caper nine is pretty high. I don't know. All right, I'm gonna take a guess. Wait, I'm passing. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna guess that it is. Uh... Come on! <laughs> Come on! Dead air, man. <laughs> I know. Um... Come on! Three, two, one. Get I don't know Garrett Cole. No, no. it's not Garrett Cole. It's Aaron Nola. Ah, oh. so Meta is going at one ninety-seven point five. Ah, oh, I love and Meta. Nola is going at sixty-one point five three. Uh, go ahead, guys. Any thoughts on Pat, this? You're picking all my guys, man. I, I mean, love we, it. We love, love Meta. Yeah, I love Meta. Listen, I think we were he, all on board on Meta. He's criminally underrated this year. The ADP is so sexy. The, I think what people are worried about is that he was so damn successful as a reliever, that, and the Dodgers have been very quick to pull the trigger as to move a, a successful starter into the pen, like we saw with Alex Wood year after year, and others, others as well. Uh, uh, what's his name? Ryu. They threw in the bullpen. He had success. Um, but also underrated. Also underrated. Agree. Yes, Pat. Yo, man, <laughs> battle Saturday at this draft. I love it. Um, but yeah, listen, I'm totally on board. Mate's got great stuff. He's got great command. He doesn't walk, guys. Uh, he's on a good team. The only problem is he doesn't get the innings. If you're in a wins league, a quality, I'm sorry, quality starts league, uh, he's not going to get you many. He's usually a five inning and done type pitcher, but he does the job. He does the job. He's got great ratios. He gives up some home runs. But he plays in a good ballpark. He's in the NL. Uh, I, I I love it. His ADP is one of the best of all the pitchers. I I love Meta this year. Do you guys think that Meta could be? You know, you mentioned Rich Hill. Could, could he be like a half step below that Paxton Hill McCullers class? No. Sure. Is it, no, no. Isn't he already? What do you, What do you mean? Like. Should he – is that where his ADP should be? No, 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 no. I'm saying like, in terms of like his outcome. Um, Isn't he already though? Like a 9.8K mm, per nine? The home runs are an issue. I don't have him in But Joe, Pat, do you, do you remember offhand what his home runs uh, were last year? I, I do not have that stat in front of me. I, I'm pretty sure it was it's pretty a really high number. Well, yeah, it's, that was, that's why the URA was so high. I'm checking. All right. Okay, well, let's Nick. Give me your thoughts on Nola. Is do, does that make you think that he might be a little overpriced? Listen, I'm not a Nola guy. I, I do like the stuff, the breaking stuff. We all know it's freaking, it's 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 ridiculous. But um, uh, I'm not paying the premium on all this year. I know a lot of guys are. I, I'm out. 
and the comparison is good. Although I think Nola, um, oh, the, the home runs per nine were 1.47, by the way, yeah. on, on Meta. Um, so yeah, I think, I think what you're going to have here is a, is an, a, an ERA upside downside where Meta definitely has the downside of posting a four plus ERA. And I think Nola is a little bit more stable in that category. Otherwise they're pretty close in everything else. Yeah, I think I think Nola might be a little overpriced by the market. Um, I, I just feel as though people are very aggressive on him, and and then, you know I, I don't want to I don't want to become critical because I, I do see his ability. I, I do understand that he's got you know plus plus command. So I mean there is upside there, and it's just you're you're kind of paying for it when it hasn't happened yet, in my opinion. Um, Joe, yeah, what do you think? I'm kind of worried now, man. Pat Pat brought up Meta. Joe guessed Meta right away. <laughs> Shit, you, guys, you guys better not try to take him from me, man. I thought I, thought I had him in the bag. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was I was a high man on Nola uh, when we did the starting pitcher pod, and um, I'm still okay with it. Uh, I think he he totally passes the eye test, and you know, Nick, you mentioned it. Um, the breaking stuff's really good, so I I'm okay with paying the premium. Okay, so really, at the end of the day, that one is more about Meta is underpriced than Nola is overpriced. Yeah, I don't think I don't, think I don't think Nola's ADP is something to cry over. It's it's okay. It's just yeah. not great. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Last one for me. This is another hitter. Uh, one one fifty seven games played, six hundred and sixty five plate appearances, twenty six homers. 73 runs, 101 RBI, Whoa. four steals, 272 average, 810 OPS. Hmm. And then we've got 150 games played. I know that one. Go ahead. 629 plate appearances, 27 homers, 84 runs, 62 RBI, four steals, 282, 815. Okay. One of them has to be Adam Jones. No. Ah. Oh. Is one of them Kyle Seeger? No. Those are very Kyle Seeger and Adam Jones S. Uh, yes, they are. I was really hoping to sucker somebody into Adam Jones. Um, um wait, um, this this with this 101 RBI guy, this is weird because 665 plate appearances. It's got to be a really good team. That's wrong. weird. Wrong. What? What? <laughs> All right, player 1. With the 26 homers, 73 runs, 101 RBIs, four steals, 272 average, is Nick Castellanos. Ooh, oh, I was close. what? He had 100 RBIs? That's what he had. Wow. Okay, Smart. and his ADP is 94.98. And keep in mind, he is third base and outfield eligible. I love him. Go yeah, ahead. Who doesn't? Player two with 27 homers. 84 runs, 62 RBIs, four steals, 282, 815 is Mr. DFA, Corey Dickerson Cole. Oh, with wow. an ADP of 227.37. Wow, good one. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, one well, has a job. Yeah. And well, one doesn't. One isn't like Arctic cold. What do you mean? Both have jobs. Oh, Corey yeah. Dickerson's going to be the cleanup hitter for the Pirates. Wow. Sorry about that. Lift on that one. <laughs> Forgot. Um, 
the surprising number is the 101 RBIs here from Cassianos. That's and the 665 plate appearances. How did he get all those batting like he, he was shuffled around the order last year, am I right? Probably five, right? Yeah, he would but he was moving around. He was three, he was five. Well, LeBron. Mickey missed time, so you know, Mickey, Mickey misses some time. Yeah, he hits the three hole, might have hit two for part of the year too. I can't recall right off the top of my head who hit two in that I lineup. I don't know what your mo is here. I don't know who you're trying to get us to to who you're who you're trying to push this towards. But um, I I don't care what Corey Dickinson did last year. I'm not taking him under any circumstances. I kind of like Corey Dickerson in oh, 227. 227, man, that's like that's and like cheap. I said. I, I I think I think the Pirates are planning on hitting him fourth, and that lineup is kind of good. It is good. It is it is a pretty good lineup. It's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Oh, God, that was so extra. <laughs> Corey Dickinson batted three twelve one year, by the way. Yeah, in, in Colorado. True. <laughs> That's I, like two fifty every place else. <laughs> Listen, it's not taking anything away from Castellanos here. Uh, we all love Castellanos. He's going to hit close to 30 home runs and do his d- damn thing. But it is saying a lot about Dickerson. And what, what was the ADP? 227. That's yeah, a good ADP. I'm, I'm still uh, – I, I just can't. It feels so dirty drafting. I, I, I feel safer with Castellanos than I do with Dickerson. But it's just to point out that Dickerson's got the ability to hit for good power and good average. And he's going to be in a good ballpark. So, you know, there are guys that go in front of Corey Dickerson, you know, like the Adam Duvall's of the world. Oh, I love Duvall. Who, but Duvall's not going to hit any more than like 250. Yeah, but he could also hit like 40 home runs. Yes, true. But Dickerson could hit close to 30. Yeah. So, I mean. Duvall's like going to hit 40 home runs, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, Duvall might split time, though. He's going to get it. He's going to get it some, at some point. All right. Let's move off mine. Joe, give us yours. All right. So, my first one is a steamer projection versus an actual player's production last year. Ooh. All right. So, the first one is 139 games, 263 average, 37 home runs. 84 runs, 98 RBI, and four steals versus 153 games, 247, 43 home runs, 91 runs, 110 RBI, and four stolen bases. Hmm. Um, I'm going to guess that player two is Joey Gallo. No. Is player one... Can you repeat the average on player one? Sure. 263. Is it Josh Donaldson? Nope. Wait, which one's a Seamer projection, Joe? The first, first one's a Seamer projection. Okay. Second one's Oops. actual. All right. All right. Wait, wait. Seamer projection for one is Manny Machado? Nope. Uh, all, right. all right. I'm going to take one more guess. The Steamer projection is Adam is Aaron Judge. No. Okay. So the steamer projection at 42 ADP is Hoskins. Okay. At 63 ADP, pretty close. It's not a huge value, but it's Chris Davis. 
I like that. Mm. So they're close, right? It's only two rounds of value. I really Davis. like this one, by the way. But keep going. Chris Davis is already better than Hoskins. Yeah, yeah. completely agree. Completely agree. And I'm really glad you brought this up because Chris Davis, I feel like we haven't spoken about enough on this podcast. And I'm pretty sure that we are all at the point where if we're in a draft and Chris Davis is floating around in like the fifth, sixth round, you look at this guy and you're like, how do I not lock up this money in the bank, 40 home run, excellent counting stats on a bad team? It doesn't even matter. 247 average, which he's going to yeah, get again. Yeah, but the again. team isn't bad. Like, that lineup is good now. No, that lineup is really good. I Tell mean, me how it's really good, please. What it, wait, wait, wait. Before you even say that, Go. what does it matter? He 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 put up 201 combined runs in RBI last yeah. year. No, you're right. You're right. Listen. And, Joe, this is – Chris Davis is money in the bank. That's it. Well, I mean, I just to defend that lineup, I mean – you you know I'm a Simeon guy. You've got you've got Stephen Piscotty who we love. You've got Matt Olson for a full year. You've got Matt Chapman for a full year. They just added Lucroy. It's very Phillies. Jed Lowry is like not a good fantasy player, but he's a he's a second baseman that can hit 280 and get on base a bunch. <clears throat> There's not really a hole in that lineup. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it again. It doesn't really matter anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I, but I think I think what we take out of this is uh, the popular comparison with Hoskins has been to Edwin and Encarnacion, and we've always said there's no reason why Hoskins should go in front of Edwin and Encarnacion. I don't know why I'm struggling to say Encarnacion tonight, but I am. Um, but not only that, but he probably shouldn't be going in front of Chris Davis either, right? Agreed. Hundred percent. Yeah. All right. All right, yeah, so, so the, it was with the next one. Okay, so the next one is a starting pitcher, starting pitching one. All right, so this one we're going to take the best projections on fan graphs. So between the best in every slot, like Ks, ERA, walks per nine, K per nine, best between all the different projection systems, excluding oh, the man. fans, obviously. Too fancy. <laughs> wait, wait, so, wait. All right, go, go, go. Wait, no, do you need me to explain that again? Yeah. Okay, so best innings pitched by the projections, best K per nine by any of the projections, best ERA by any of the projections. Okay. Doesn't matter what projection system, just the best. Okay. Other than the fans, you said though, right? Other than the fans. Okay. Okay. So first up, we have 176 innings pitched, 174 Ks, or an 8.86 K per nine, mm-hmm. a 3.03 walk per nine, and a 3.92 ERA. Versus 190 innings pitched, 199 strikeouts, or a 9.41 K per nine, a 2.94 walk per nine, and a 4.01 ERA. The first guy is going at 99th. The second guy is going at 151. I'm guessing that the second guy, uh, I don't think that John Gray's ERA would be that low. I'm going to guess John Gray. You got it. Okay. And the first guy is going where? 99? Yep. I'm going to guess that that's... I want to say it's not Arietta. I'm going to guess the first guy is Masahiro Tanaka. No. Okay. Mm, that was my guess. Um, 174 innings pitch. 
you said? 176. 76. Oh, I have one more guess when you go, Pat. Okay. I think you guys will get this. What were the walks? Uh, 3.03. Yeah, it's kind of Quintana-esque, but I don't think it's Quintana. Um, John Lester. No. Um, that was a good. That was a really good guess. That too. was a good guess. That was um, a really good guess. You stole mine. I was thinking it was Tanaka. All right, I'm gonna guess one more. I'm gonna say Garrett Cole. It's Jose Barrios. <clears throat> ah, Ooh. I have something to say about him later. Oh uh, yeah, I know. But, I saw... but I will very quickly talk about him now. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's totally overrated. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's, this my, is four, that's my short thought. This is four rounds of value, um, and pretty much at best, John Gray is still better. I agree. Yeah, take advantage of the course discount, people. Yep. Because you won't be able to take advantage of it for long after he just destroys the world this year. Yeah, me and Joe are huge, huge advocates of uh, John Gray. I see major K upside, um, and I think that the ERA is going to be livable. Uh, you know, the projection, like you said, is 4.01. I think if if Gray could slide into somewhere in at the 3.8 range, he is going to return major, major, major value because the Ks and the walks are going to be there. I think that ERA projection is high. The thing is, always, the thing is always right. Like, we're taking the best ERA projections, and I agree with you, Pat. I think he's going to beat it. But these are the best ERA projections, and Jose Barrios is only 0. 0.9, 0. 0.09 better. So it's not even like, you know, it's not like Berrios is at like a 3-3 and we're we're giving Gray such a dis or uh yeah, Gray such a discount because of the ERA. It's like they're really close. Mm-hmm. Well, what I find funny about it is is that Berrios is um a guy who's either living off last year's results or last minors. year's results combined <clears throat> Yeah, like you said combined with the minors and the pedigree. Yeah. But John Gray also has a very strong pedigree as well. Yeah, of course. Just, it's just why it doesn't make sense. Nick, stop rustling your papers. Yeah. Sorry. I know that you're, I know you're angry that I'm going to take Kentamina on Saturday, but <laughs> it's time to let that one go. All right, All right. Joe, go ahead. Okay. Next so la- these, these are two position players, different positions. And this is just like, just like the other one, but now we're going to go floor. So complete floor with all the projections. Ooh, Ooh I like that. Joe, you I, know I what? I like the work you did, Joe. Let's, yeah, give everybody, let's give Joe like a little round. Joe, you know what? I was against this, but now I'm with you. I, well, I like what you're doing here. Well, when, when, I, when, when you get the full disclosure, it's better. When yeah. you're just guessing, shooting in the dark, it's no, it's no fair. No, okay, I like so. some people, so I wouldn't disclose. But Okay, so we got a 265 batting average, 14 okay. home runs. 48 runs, 54 RBI, and 21 steals Hmm. versus 262, 26 home runs, 77 runs, 85 RBI, and three steals. All right. Is first guy Gene Segura? No. What was the batting average on the first guy? 265. 14, 21, And these are floor. Floor. Lowest lowest projections. Okay. Uh, All right. Wait, wait, wait. All right. First one, is it Ozzy Albies? No, you're close, though. <laughs> NCRTA? No. Come on. All right. All right. <laughs> um, Elvis Andrews? No. Damn. So the, do you want to take a shot on the second? 
Say the uh, second one again. Can you read the one, read the second one again? Sure. 262, 26, 77, 85, and 3. These are floor projections, too. Jesus. Um, Kyle Seeger. Yep. Yay! All right. So the first one is Nick, your boy, Akuna. <laughs> Go ahead. So here's the big thing, right? Okuna's ADP is 108, and Seager's is 131. Um, yeah, sure. Everyone is buying into the upside. That's really just it. You're just completely buying into the upside and neglecting any type of floor. That was my point here by taking the floors. I feel like that floor is still aggressive. That's below what we projected before. That's true. That's above it. That's higher. Yeah, yeah. It was 1421. We said like 14, I don't. 19. I don't feel like I want to readjust at all. No, I feel like I'm perfectly okay missing out on this one. Yeah, that's it. And just Seager's the, just super safe. Yeah, super safe. And and he's going later, thirty, uh, twenty, a little over twenty picks later. Although that was a little unfair, Joe. You, you gave us a third baseman and an outfielder. I said that. I said that. Two different positions. <sighs> I didn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy yelling at Nick about rustling papers. All right, Nick, you're okay. up. All right, here we go. My first blind resume. This isn't no, uh, here's Barry Bonds' 1992 <laughs> stat versus Steamer's, Steamer's 2005 projections. Uh, these are some straightforward blind resumes that I think that you guys will get. Nick is going to give just, us total hits. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> wait, just wait until the end to, to guess. All right. All right. So I was going to do pitcher first. Pitcher A. 8.79 K uh, to walk. Wow. Point... That's huge. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 8.79 K <laughs> per nine. 8.79 K uh, per nine. Yeah. 2.85 base on balls per nine. 3.53 ERA. Um, 150 innings pitched. I think I know who this is. Yeah. You probably do. Player B. 8.71 K per nine, 2.94 walk per nine, three exact same ERA, 3.53 ERA, and he pitched more innings. The first, is, the second day. Is one Keichel? No. Hmm. Just and just just to go back real quick, player A is has a higher K per nine. A better walk per nine and the same exact ERA than player B. Is player A J Hap? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nick just can't let J Hap go. Who's player B? Can you repeat player B again? Player B is eight point seven one K per nine. Okay. Two point nine four walk per nine. Three point five three ERA. Three point five three. Three point five three. Hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's too low for Arietta. Well, the walks are too low for Arietta. It's Arietta. Hey! Oh. So these stats are identical, but in the favor of Hap. And this is pretty much two guys pitching almost full seasons. I'll let you guys take it from here. And what? Their ADP is. Oh, uh, 200 apart? Like, yeah, so no, like about 160 or so. Yeah, about 160 apart. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we've 
we've really pounded home these last few weeks that Jay Happ is probably well, not probably, but definitely criminally underrated at this point. Um, He's you know, ace now too. If he had, yeah, well, starting opening day, you know, yeah. I mean, so. But he's a he's a guy that's produced results the last few years. If his name wasn't Jay Happ, he would be going, you know, maybe not where Arietta's going, but a lot closer than he is now. Um, and in terms of Arietta, you know, he's he's leaving a neutral, what I believe is a neutral ballpark for a hair friendly park. He's leaving one of the best defensive teams in baseball for one of the worst. Um, the division is bad, um, you know, hitting wise. So, I mean, that's good for him. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I view that move as almost neutral. Um, but this is the reason why they're going far apart is because Arietta has recent elite seasons in his background. And for some reason, the market is still pricing in that elite upside, even though at least I'm skeptical that it's still there. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we all like Hap, but I, I, I almost positive I was on board during the starting pitching preview saying that I wouldn't own Arietta. Um, and I stand by that. It, Pat, you mentioned those elite seasons. Those elite seasons were 15 and 14, 2015 and 2014. That's a while ago now. We've got two years of good but not great Arietta under our belt. So this, I think this is definitely more to just put Jay Happ in the shine for a second because I, I don't really completely hate Arietta. Uh, he's not my type of pitcher, and I wouldn't pay the price at, at this point for him. But, I, I mean, what's what's the main reason that that Happ is so far down? It's just because – Because his Happ- name is Jay Happ. Yeah, that really is it. People forget. You think I'm kidding? It's 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 the truth. He was really bad for a really long period of time. He doesn't play in a major market, so people don't know. It's the ALEs. People are was scared. It, was it Arietta like really bad at one point? Like early yeah, in when career? he was in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, but then he was super elite. Okay. I mean, he was the best pitcher in baseball for a year. Yeah. Okay. All right. My next blind resume. Player A, and this is also straightforward. 25 home runs, 14 stolen bases, 265 average. Player B, 23 home runs, 10 steals, 273 average. They both played right around the same exact. They both got very similar plate appearances. Uh, Can you read me one again? One is 25 home runs, 14 steals, 265 average. Uh, that's not as straightforward as player two. I'll just say that. Player two, that's his stats last year. Player one, it's his average over the last two. Oh, 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 Steamer, Barry Bonds. All right. <laughs> just think about it. 25. It's okay. Dead air is okay while we think. People understand. They're thinking too. Yeah, we'll, put, we'll play the Jeopardy music. Is player one Andrew McCutcheon? No. Ooh, that was a good guess. Oh, one of them's Puig. No, definitely not. You know, are Puig they? Do, did you provide the position? Is it is it outfielders? The I'll tell you the uh, the, the position they're they're infielders and they play the same position. Okay. Do you want me to give you an even bigger hit? No, that's fine. Okay. 
25-10? No. Player A went 25-14-265 in the last two seasons averaged. Player B went last year 23 home runs, 10 steals, 273. Player A has an ADP of 177. Player B has an ADP of 128. Yes, you got it, Pat. Come on, spit it out. No, I don't. I was going to say Rugnet Odor, but no. No, no, no. Are we done? Can I say it? Yeah, Yeah, I'm good. Player A at 177 ADP, Ian Kinsler, second baseman. It was. Yeah, you should have got that. You should have got we we talk so much about Kinsler to not get that is criminal. Ugh. Player B going fifty picks ahead of him for some odd reason, Javier Baez, who also has people mm-hmm. lurking for the job. Who also had a whatever year last year. Wait, did you like Baez? I, I no, I listen, I do like Baez, but it's this is more for Kinsler than Baez. Okay. And and it is kind of I do like Baez, but I, this year we have an issue in Chicago right now. Hap looks amazing. Schwarber looks really good. And if these guys continue the season the way spring training's been going, there are going to be some issues with playing time. Um so I'm taking the safe bet, the guy who's batting leadoff ahead of Mike Trout and Justin Upton. I mean, and Cole Calhoun. And anyway, um, <laughs> look, Kinsler is a season vet. He is what he is at this point. I think you're looking at a guy who's at minimum going to go like 17 home runs, 15 ish steals, get you a decent average, and score a ton of runs. Where Baez is kind of a question mark at this point. How big of my question to you guys is how big of a question mark is Baez right now for you guys? Even the playing time aside. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the contact profile. Baez has a Joey Gallo level contact problem. Yeah. And I, to me, I just can't buy into that because he doesn't come with the Joey Gallo level walk rate or the Joey Gallo level upside. Um, and he's also, as you've stated, he's in a he's in a situation where there's a definite playing time crunch. And Madden even came out and said, like, if he doesn't get better in terms of his plate discipline, he's gonna he's not gonna see any more at bats than what he's seen the last couple of years, which is right around five hundred. Um, which is enough to matter, but it's not enough to, you know, break into any kind of profit for anybody that's drafting him. So why is he going at one twenty eight? Because he's got power and speed and he used to be a prospect. And he plays for the Cubs. He's got a name. Yeah, and, and I think Kinsler's going so low because there seems to be... And he's old. Uh, yeah, uh, like an old guy bias. I, Always. I mean, Always. Well, Every no, year. but in particular, right, there's a lot of it this year, or, or recently. You've got your Correas. You've got your Lindors. You've got your Cody Bellingers. You've got your Acunas, right? There's a lot, a lot of guys, hot prospects, that are tending to hit a little bit more than they used to, you know, 15, 10 years ago. So everyone's trying to be in front, and no one wants Mr. Old or Reliable anymore. I do. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, Kinsler could conceivably lead the AL in runs. Yeah. Like, e- and, and easily. I mean, if you were to put someone right now, if you were to say, all right, who's going to lead the AL in runs? He'd be, like, in the conversation. It's not a long shot. No, not at all. Not at all. And he's going at 177. Yeah. Yeah, being anywhere near Mike Trout is like the greatest thing ever. 
Yeah, uh, obviously. All right. Um, my next one. And this one I really like. Okay. Player A. <laughs> I like all mine. <laughs> Player A. 28 home runs, 17 steals, 266 average, 372 OBP, 95 runs, 90 RBIs. Ooh, yeah. Player B. <laughs> Player B. 30 home runs, 15 steals, 278 average, 88 runs, 85 RBIs. Hmm. Which the second one to... sounds like a better hitting Odor. If you need me to repeat, just ask. Can you repeat the batting average on the second guy? The second guy last year mm-hmm. in a full season batted 278. Hmm. What, 30, 15? 30, 15. Joe, come on. I think That's you're... That's Puig. It's not Puig. It's not Puig. Yeah. Oh, man. We just had a conversation about this guy. And you were like, oh, there's only so many guys that went that did this. Oh, is this Will Myers? No. no. He went 30-20. You know that. Oh, He's 30-20. He was so much better than that, Joe. And you guys, come on. You keep guessing <laughs> Puig. That's like 900 every year. Come on. <laughs> All right, look, I'm going to say it one more time really clear. Play it B. 30 home runs, 15 – I'm sorry. Yeah, 30 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 278 average, 88 runs, 85 RBIs. See, to me it sounds like Brian Dozier, but it's not Brian Dozier because the runs and RBIs are too low. And the average is too high. And yes. the average is and a little too like, high. Oh, I think Dozier hit 270 last year. Uh, okay. Okay, uh, you ready? One more guess. One more guess. Quick, go. Shoot. Go, Joe. Throw it in. Got nothing. <laughs> Pat, throw it in. I got nothing. God, you guys suck. All right. Sorry. So player B, we'll start with him since we were stuck on him for so long. The 30 home run, 15 home run guy, 278 average, 88 runs, 85 RBIs is Domingo Santana going at 84. Oh, I should have known that. Yeah, Joe, you should have got right. that. You like uh, eight on. Yeah, but he doesn't have a job, so. Yeah. So that, that's Domingo Santana going Can't at. Can't think about him when he doesn't going have a job. Going at 84 ADP. The other guy, 28 home runs, 17 steals, 95 runs, 90 RBIs, 266, 372 OBP. Upton was 35. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. 372 OBP. This is – this guy has a 238 ADP, and that is Aaron Hicks's last year paced out. Oh, boo. Oh, yeah, boo. I thought there was no shenanigans in this show. Ah, welcome. Welcome, bitches. Um, all right. So this is for the both of them. This is a, a, a blind resume to kind of bring both guys to light. Uh, first and foremost, I want to I want to talk about Aaron Hicks for a second. Um, last year he was an absolute monster. As I said, he paced out for twenty eight home runs, seventeen steals, all those good counting stats. Yada yada yada. Uh, the Yankees right now, we're going to have uh, Gardner, Hicks, Giancarlo, and Judge. And we're going to shuffle those guys, put them in the DH spot. Sanchez will be in the DH spot as well. But Hicks is going to get the playing time. He's going to get the at-bats. And when he does, he's going to be at the top of the lineup. The OBP is too damn good. He's got to be at leadoff when he plays. I don't know what we do with Gardner those days, but he's this guy has got he's to not, bat. He's not going to hit leadoff. Who? 
I am I am telling you that at some point, as a Yankee fan, I think he will be there this year. And when he does, I mean, he might bat there like a handful of games, but he's okay, bat there. Well, we'll see. Any kind of regardless, problem. even if he doesn't, he still went paced out for ninety five runs and ninety RBIs last year. Um, another guy, he's just criminally underrated. I, I said it before. He looks amazing. He's in, he's in fantastic, fantastic physical shape. Um, and the ADP is beautiful. 23 point, uh, two, I'm sorry, 238 overall. You could take him in the 20th round, 21st round, and maybe he even slides you in the last round. You just stash him and he's a great outfit to have on your team. Um, and with Santana, this is a guy who is talk about crowded lineups. Um, is he worth the 84 ADP, Pat and Joe? No, no. I, I beat him up last week. But it's probably that's probably weighted uh, more heavily towards where he used to be going as opposed to where he's going now. I would bet now he's like a borderline top 100 guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. So I I do like Santana's skill set. Like that's the thing, and I think that we do have a lot of guys in this lineup that are injury prone that are older um, and he could find his way to full playing time and come close to the 600 at bats. That's the magic number we'd love to see. But even if he gets to, let's just say five twenty-five, I think I still think there's going to be a good return in value there. Santana to me looks like a guy who's going to yearly be like a Justin Upton type guy, which is what he did last year. 30, 15, 275 ish average with good counting stats. So, so I do like him. So since uh since March first, this is NFBC. Um, his ADP is one hundred five. That's yeah, high. One hundred. His high is one eighty. Wow. wow. See, that's amazing. That that would be amazing. But where, where do you guys have him? Where would you guys find him start to be appealing? Probably around? about one ten, one twenty. Joe. Uh, I'm probably even a little bit further than that because I think. I think they're going to. I, I I think it's going to be sort of a, you know, platoonish type situation where, like like Nick mentioned with the Yankees, except they don't have the DH. So I think so, Santana is going to play like four out of six games. So give me at bats on the year. Five, twenty five. If no one gets hurt. Joe, if no one gets hurt, yeah, that's really good. Then I think no? like four fifty. No one gets hurt. Okay, but I think Braun will get hurt. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a little too low on Santana. I think you are. Yeah, it just requires the gamble that he's going to find the playing time. Which... If you're saying if you're saying five twenty five though, no injury, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, that is really good. I think that they're going to rotate him and Braun and Kane and Thames quite a bit. I think all four of those guys are going to be in and out of the lineup quite a bit, which I think isn't a bad thing because it might just keep it's good for Braun Kane and Braun and Thames healthy. Yeah. All right, Nick, do you have any more or shall we move to bold predictions? No, that's all of them. All right, so we're going to rotate on these. I will go first. And my first bold prediction is 
Brandon Nimmo and Jesse Winker out earn Ronald Acuna. Yeah, I'm on board with that. All right, so this is sort of a three-for-one, so let me start at the top with Okuna. Okuna is closing in as a top 100 selection with a min pick of 67 on NFBC over the last week and a half. God! I suspect that next week he's going to regularly be going inside the top 100. And I think Okuna will follow the Byron Buxton path. What? He'll come up. He'll struggle. He'll find it too late to return real value for his owners that draft him that high and be more expensive next year. He's just 20 years old. He has never struggled at any level. He is about to see a level of pitching that he has not experienced before, and his plate discipline doesn't look great. I have very little doubt that Okuna can be an extremely capable major leaguer and likely a star, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. And we've seen this movie too many times. Nimmo. The last few years, we have seen these middling power types break out and become legit power threats at the major league level. Now, aside from his 15% walk rate last year, Nimmo's year looked about on par with what he was projected to do. He was about a 15 homer, six steal guy over a full season pace. Nimmo isn't even certain to receive full-time at-bats, even when the opportunity is there. And Michael Conforto seems like he's ahead of schedule. So, after with all that negativity, why do I like him? Well, the walk rate is one part of it. The other part is, I think Nimmo might be undergoing a swing change. 21 of his 33 batted balls this spring have been in the air. That data isn't stable. Stabilization and ground ball fly ball rate occurs at 80 balls in play, but it's at least enough that I think it's become meaningful. I think Nimmo might exceed power expectations and be a candidate for 20-plus homers with a 370 OBP and a high single-digit steals if he sees the at-bats. And I'm betting that he will. We've seen Conforto have the injury. Cespedes has been banged up already. Jay Bruce has plantar fasciitis. Adrian Gonzalez is at first, and he's no guarantee to play uh, for you know any any length of time. And Nimmo is totally free with the 478 ADP, so it's free to find out if this is right. Winker, the argument is very similar, and it's a bit easier to make. He's had very good patience. He exhibited more power than Nimmo, seven homers and fewer at-bats last year. He is a better bet for batting average, and Winker plays in a better park in a better lineup. Winker is also exhibiting a change in batted balls after hitting nearly two grounders for every one fly in a small sample last year. This year, in spring, albeit with a much smaller sample, he's won the one. And let's not forget that Winker and the Miners had a wrist injury that really sapped his power. He might be reestablishing it now. Winker is available at pick 321. Thoughts? Feelings? Uh, Nick, I'm going to start first, Go if ahead. you don't mind. Uh, so first, first I want to say I thought you meant Nimmo and Winker together outproduce Okuna. Um, I don't know about individually. The second thing is Pat. No, I meant I'm being bold here. Yeah, yeah. The second thing is Pat. Uh, I thought you weren't the guy 
that was in on spring stats. Especially when they're especially when they're small samples. I'm not on spring stats to the extent we're not talking about results based stats. We're talking about actual hard numbers. So I'm not looking at Nimmo and Winker and their three hundred plus batting averages and their seven hundred and fifty plus slugging percentage. I'm looking at simple ground balls to fly balls and something that stabilizes at 80 balls in play, and I've got about half that now. So, yeah. yeah. Shut up, Joe. Yeah, well, we we talked about this <laughs> offline, and I'm going to raise a point online, too, is that the next 40 the next forty balls in play can completely demolish any ratios. Absolutely. It's, it, it is possible. But at this point, you're about halfway there. So... Some data is better than no data. Fair. Okuda stinks. <laughs> wow. No, I'm wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, Nick. Any thoughts? Um. Well, I know you're the Okuda guy, so I'm the Okuda guy. I'm not going to talk about Kuna anymore because we've touched on him so much in the last couple of weeks. I'll just say this: I, I am a fan of Nimos. He has definitely impressed over spring training, and I'm a huge fan of Winkers. As you know, me and me and Pat, I think are a little bit more on board with Winker than Joe. Um, we talk about, I, I think we've mentioned his name pretty much every week that we've ever had a podcast. Yep. Um, but yeah, this kid is, uh, to be this young and have this good of OBP and to get on base this much, it's just, it shows his smarts. And I, I think he's going to grow as far as pop goes. Um, and he has sneaky speed. I like him. He's going to find his way to the top of that lineup, I think to start the year. And he could be a really good source of runs. Uh, the way he gets on base, he may be able to sneak up around 10 to 15 stolen bases. And that could go with uh, – what do you think his pop upside this year is, Pat? I could see mid-20s. For Winker? Yeah, I could see it. <laughs> oh, my God. That is amazing. <laughs> well, um, we got another but, Saturday uh, bet off. Yeah, it's – um. well, I mean, like, think about it. Okay, so – what did Scooter Jeanette do last year? Jeanette underwent a complete swing change, though. Well, I'm saying that I think Winker's undergoing a similar swing change. Oh, man. Uh, listen. I know. I just blew your mind. Wow. <laughs> Nick Nick is actually, like, not not buying it. That, this no, is no, like, listen. This is like a world first. I, 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 listen, my upside for Winker this year is, like, 15-ish. In that area, home no, run. no, no. My projection for Winker is like 19 homers. Wow! All right, so then he's in, if he hits 19 home runs, then he is going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Jesse Winker. I think I I think he's I, I think the wrist issue was a major problem, and I think he started to straighten it out at the end last year, and I think somebody <coughs> Joey Votto got in his ear. About yeah. putting the ball in the air, um, and I think we're going to see the results as re- as a result. And by the way, to your point about him making his way to the top of the lineup, I believe Brian Price came out this week and said Billy Hamilton is no lock for the top of the lineup. His name came up. Mm-hmm. When right, we that, talked that about that. Me. Yeah, that's very exciting. Okay, so one of you two fools go. Joe, so you want to take it first? Sure. So this one, you guys are going to hate. Hey, oh and this is a first. Alpha Sandris. No, this is a first for the FWO podcast. Oh, I know who okay. this is. 
Eric Hosmer love. So Eric Hosmer hits oh, more God. than 30 home runs. He was close the past two years, getting to the 25 mark each time. And the big piece of news here that kind of swayed me a little bit is uh, Travis Sawchick from Fangrass managed to interview Hosmer a few days ago. And he talked with Hosmer, and he found out that Hosmer has been watching videos of the same hitting coach who transformed J.D. Martinez's career. He's also worked with both Martinez and his current hitting coach over the winter, and has openly acknowledged that the approach could work. So the community has already seemed to buy that someone like Christian Yelich is going to make the change while changing teams as his ADP has rise since he moved to the Brewers. But no one's really doing any of the same for Hosmer, even though the same change could be a huge increase to Hosmer's value. Now, Hosmer has openly admitted he's aware of a, of a launch of launch angle changes and worked with one of the first guys to embrace the approach. This is bold for the FWO. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pat, you go first. All right. So I I read the same piece and I was similarly encouraged. Um, but at the same time, Hosmer also said, I'm not looking to overhaul my swing. Uh, he kind of looked at it just as <laughs> theorizing um, and trying to get a different perspective. Um so I don't expect the swing to change drastically. <clears throat> and onto another point, I, when it comes to him moving to San Diego versus Yelich, Yelich is going from a incredibly difficult hitters park to one of the best home run parks for left-handed hitting in baseball. Hosmer is going from an incredibly difficult left-handed hitter's park to another incredibly difficult left-handed hitter's park. Um, I am trying right now, or I was until Nick threw this on to me, <laughs> to find the last time that a left-handed hitter, left-handed Padre hit 30 home runs. Probably Adrian Gonzalez. And I don't know the answer, but the fact that that sprung into my mind tells you it's probably been a while or Pat just doesn't know his Padres that well. Um, so I, I understand what you're going at Joe and, and I am encouraged that Hosmer has at least said, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it, but I could very easily see this as a 15 homer, like 270 season for Eric Hosmer as well. And I don't even think that's bold. So, so what was his? What was that number you just gave? Like his? That would be a bad season. What was it? Fifteen homers, two seventy. Okay. That would be bad. That would be really bad, especially where he's going. Yeah, that would be really bad. I mean, the fact bad. that he hit twenty-five home runs the past two years uh, gives me some confidence, even with the huge ground ball rate. Um. So I, it's really not that big of a stretch. He had a 385 OBP last year. Like, that's just Yeah, ridiculous. but he hit 318. So I know, I know, I know. It's bad, it but uh, dependent. But um, I, the ADP this year is better for Hosmer. Like, I, offhand, it's been, what, in like the 60s the last couple of years and 50s? Yeah, probably. I'm looking it up right now. 
So I think it's a little bit more livable, especially when you look at the way first base kind of like drops off. It's, um, a, it's at 80 right now. All right. So, yeah, it's at 80. And after Hosmer, you've got Miggy, who, you know what? It, it, it may be a question mark for some people, rightfully so. Obviously, it's not for myself and Pat. But um, there are some question marks after Hosmer. And I think with Hosmer, you have a pretty safe floor. He'll get you a decent average in the 20-plus home runs. And he's batting in front of the great Will Myers. So <laughs> maybe he scores a bunch of runs. But um, I, I, I like the prediction, prediction, Joe. Okay, you're up. Okay. Oh, this is going to get a lot of heat. This is going to get a lot of heat. This is, this is very bold. Greg Bird. 151 ADP will be a top seven first baseman in all of fantasy. That's right. Oh, I thought you were going to say top seven overall. No, 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 no. But I mean, seven first baseman, that's, that's in elite territory. That's like a hundred, that's almost a hundred spots. in ADP. That's like Eric Hosmer territory. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, Eric Hosmer is a nine. Will Myers is eight. And Carnacion is seven. Um, yeah, but with uh, with Greg Bird, it's a guy who obviously has been plagued by injuries. Uh, last year, he had the ankle injury, but this year, he is going to be in the cleanup spot to start the year on one of the best teams in baseball, probably the best offense in baseball. Um, and this is a guy who is Will a – what was that? Is he going to be? Yeah, Boone has come out and said in spring training that Bird will most likely most likely be the cleanup guy. To Stanton? Uh, oh, judges to Stanton's three? Yeah, he's four, and then Sanchez is five. Um, and that <laughs> and this lineup is insane. Um, and it just goes to show you the trust the Yankees have in Bird because he really hasn't played that much. But to put him in the four spot on this lineup, it's really saying a lot because uh, that could obviously be one of those guys, either Sanchez or one of these other guys at the end of the lineup. Um, but he's going to rack up a ton of RBIs if he stays healthy. He's going to rack up a ton of runs. He's going to get you a pretty decent average. I, I have him projected for 35 home runs, 100 RBIs, 90 runs scored, 265 average. And, guys, he has, in my opinion, the prettiest damn swing in baseball. I love him. Love him. He's going to have a monster year this year. It's all about health, I think. Yeah, it is. All right, before I dive into Bird, I just want to give Joe some props. I went back and looked, and... The last Padre to hit 30 home runs was Adrian Gonzalez in 2010. Thank you. Thank you. Th 30 homers from the left side, I might add. Chase Headley hit uh, over 30 in 2012, but he's a switch hitter. Switch so hitter, yeah. Does not qualify. Um, okay, so when it comes to Bird, yeah, the opportunity is there. Uh, you know, you're hitting four in the Yankee lineup. That's fantastic. Um, at the same time, I think your batting average is a little high, Nick. Um, he's a guy with an extreme fly ball profile. He does swing and miss a bit, although not to, you know, a, a crippling extent, but when you combine it with an extreme fly ball profile, you're at 265, you're talking probably about the peak of his average, um, capabilities in all likelihood. Um, and you want to talk about loaded lineups and, and loaded situations the Yankees lineup is so ridiculously stacked that bird could be the odd man out you know by May 15th um, 
So while I think your bold prediction could come true, I also want to point out the downside. I mean, this could be a situation where if Bird hits like he hit last year for six weeks, he's in danger of being the guy that goes down or, or goes to the bench with Walker sliding over to first base and Drury over to second and then Andahar the third. Or if Torres comes up, Walker to first, Torres to second. So you just want to keep that in mind before you get too carried away um, reaching up to take Greg Bird. Do you like the ADP? What is the ADP? 151? I think it's about right. Okay. But in that area, I'm kind of grabbing as many of those middle lead, as many of those corner guys as I can. Okay. Because I think they're all productive. So Joe, what do you think, Joe? And I think that's the right way to approach Bird. Because if you're going to take Bird, I think if you're relying on him, I think you need to secure yourself another one in case what I'm talking about does occur. Yeah. So for his career, his major league career, um, he paces out to a little bit over 30 home runs in the at bats he had if he if he got full playing time, a full season's worth. Um, so yeah, he's kind of like he's kind of like Joey Gallo esque. Um, maybe not quite the walks, and he's got a, and he's definitely doesn't strike out as much. Um, but he could certainly be in like the mid mid 30s home runs with like a 240ish average. It really just comes down to health for me. If he's healthy, I think he'll be okay. So I, I'm 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 on board with this bull prediction. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, say he's going to be top seven, but I can see the path. All right, so he's going at 150. Let's just throw some either ors in here. Okay. Josh Bell. Josh Bell. <laughs> Joe. Uh, it depends on where I'm at. If I if I needed a first baseman, I'm taking Josh Bell. If I had a first baseman already, I might take Greg Bird. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think I, I just, take I think I take Bell either way. Yeah, I'm crazy about Bell. Like, what about super... Ryan Zimmerman? Oh, Greg Bird, not close. Where's Ryan Zimmerman? Or or just straight up? For saying I'm just saying straight up. They're both on the board. Zimmerman. I think I'm taking Zimmerman too. But I don't mind pairing the two of them. Again, that's that I think is my strategy when it comes to Bird. I want two of those guys if, if Bird is one of them. All right, let me move to my next one. Matt Olson's batting average goes the opposite direction from what most are expecting. Up. And he hits 270 with 40 homers. Oh and returns the same value as Hoskins. And Encarnacion six to seven rounds later. This to me has as much to do with Olsen's power display at the end of the last at the end of the last season, which was unsustainable, as it does with the simple eye test and what I think of the quality of Olsen's swing and what is somewhat obscured in the numbers. You see, most people see Olsen as a 240-ish hitter. I don't think that's correct. In the second half of last year, where most of his numbers came from, he hit 286 with a 24% K rate, 
and that was with the BABIP that was 247. And the real reason why that BABIP was about two four was two forty seven was because a lot of his hits were homers and those don't count for Babbitt. Um, and his homers, if you go back and you look at them, they weren't really high towering fly balls that just scraped the fence. And I think that's where the error comes from. I think Olsen is much more of like a 260, 270 type bat than he's given credit for. He's a stat cast darling. He's elite in almost every power measure available. Fly ball, line drive uh, velocity, barrels per plate appearance, 95 plus mile per hour hit percentage. Um, Jeff Sullivan of Fangraphs wrote a great piece on Olsen, and I think he nailed it when he said the A's might have found the next J.D. Martinez. I don't think he'll ever be the 300 hitter that J.D. is, but I also don't think he's a 230 hitter. And I think that's the big difference between him being a value and him just being um, a guy that you pick and he's going to return the value of his pick. Thoughts, feelings. I like him. I like him. Um, I like him. And uh, I don't know why the masses haven't projected for the, a lot of people have the K rate going up. Whereas if you look at the triple A stats, the double A stats, the K rate was actually lower. Uh, in the past. So if that comes down and he maintains this walk rate or even goes up a little bit, look at a guy who could finish with like an OBP of 350 plus again. Um, I, I like him a lot. I like the value. What's the ADP? I believe he's in the 120 area. Yeah, Let is, me check it. That is like ridiculous if that if that is true. Like uh, I, I like to pick a lot. He's, yeah, 119. Um. So he certainly passes the eye test with the swing. He certainly passes the eye test with his build. I mean, the kid is gigantic. Um, the only thing that I'm concerned about is the limited action um, and whether or not um, pitchers attack him and find a hole this year and he struggles and he doesn't really dig out of it. That's the... That's the I think that's like my biggest concern here. Um, it's just the, the, the fact that he was so successful in such a small sample. I mean, I think almost anyone else in the past, we'd all typically be like, all right, like there's a lot to like here, but let's hold up. I mean, we're seeing the same thing with Hoskins and that no one's really, no one's really worried that, that these guys have done it in such small samples. And um, sure. What the data we have to look at, they all look great. But that might be because no one's found the weakness or no one found the weakness in time yet. Um, to counter you, Joe. Wait, wait, you wait. Sir, let, me, let me just finish one more thing. Sure. Uh, the same way I, I said, I think, uh, with Bird, I see the, the path. I also see the path, and I can buy into it with Olsen. Okay. Just to counter you briefly, can you not say that for any young hitter? where you're worried about them going through the league, quote unquote, the second time around? Uh, I think it depends, right? If you've gotten like 500 plate appearances, you might've had a battle that in season where I think 216 might not be enough time. Okay. Fair. And my other point would be, don't you think that Olsen and maybe bird to an even greater extent 
is the price where you want to take those kinds of risks as opposed to where Hoskins is going. Certainly. No, certainly. Even, though, even though I'll admit that I, Hoskins has a superior profile to Olsen. I mean, yeah, he does. There's, there's no doubting that. And to not acknowledge that would be foolish, but they, I think all three of those guys share that same sort of risk where, well, Bird to a lesser extent, because we've kind of seen Bird on and off for a few years, but they're all capable of huge power. But uh, there's substantial batting average risk, I think, in all three of them. Um, and yet Hoskins is going with inside the top 50. And then you've got Olsen at like 120, and then you've got Bird at 150. So that makes an interesting comparison. So let's just do that, guys. Who do you who do you prefer, Hoskins right around 40 or 50? Olsen at 120 or Bird at 150? Olsen at 120. Yeah, I'm at Olsen at 120. Yeah, it's probably Olsen at 120. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's move along. Okay. Um, next up, I got another bopper. We got Randall Grichuk. So Randall Grichuk manages to post a career high in plate appearance, eclipsing 550. Um, he hits uh, more than 30 home runs. And catapults into the top 35 while being drafted as the 73rd outfielder or 303 overall. Um, so, yeah, Grichuk represents a major buying opportunity for essentially free. He could easily be a starting outfielder in a 12-team league. I mean, we've seen it before um, that Grichuk has immense power. Um, he's just never been able to accumulate enough plate appearances to put that power to use. Um, now... He's got a little bit of a of a playing time crunch, but I think he'll end up uh, he'll end up starting most of the time. Um, and I I again I don't even think this is that bold of a prediction for him to be in the top thirty five outfielder because all he really requires is just amassing the at bats without changing pretty much anything about his profile, and he'll easily pass thirty home runs. Yeah, you know I'm on board with this. I mean, I was I was the person that went immediately to the park overlay and saw that he was going to hit like another ten home runs in Toronto last year. Um, I, I I think he's a fantastic value. Um, the one issue I would point out is that he's been banged up this spring, and that has both a plus and a minus. Um, the minus being he's hurt and he might be playing through injury and the production might suffer as a result. The plus being he hasn't completely torn up spring training at this point or put together enough of a, a sample of a bat for his ADP to catch up with his potential. Um, I'm not terribly worried about the playing time crunch. Toronto seems like they want to give him the chance. And as you said, I mean, you know, we're looking at, 30 homer power, 10 steel type capability in the middle of what is still a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I'm on board. Definitely. I've always been on board. You guys know I was the original Greechuk guy. Um, I, I echo what both of you said about him. I'm in this year as well. Love the, love the value. Nick? Hey, Nick. Next yes. up. All right. My next one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip my second guy go right to my third guy because I just love him so much. Jameson Tayon will finish as a top 20 starting pitcher. 20. It's pretty yes. bold. It's pretty bold. 
20. And just to give you guys an idea, 18-19 are Aaron Nola and Jose Quintana. So that's where I'm putting Jamison Tay on this year. I'm absolutely crazy about the kid. Always have been. Uh, and I can't wait to see what he can do this year in a full season. Um, you got to love people with great command. And he's got great command. And he's got great stuff. He's throwing the fastball more. The curve is sick. Uh, last year, you know, it was a, I guess you could call it a fluky injury. Um, but uh, there was some bad luck last year, too. 352 BABIP, 4.44 ERA. Didn't really give up any home runs. Point, z- uh, 0.74 uh, home runs per nine. Um, the ground ball rate is healthy, as you guys love. He is going to be great this year. Look for him to get like a 9-ish K per 9, 2.5-ish walks. And I think the ERA comes way down. He's in a great ballpark. This, this, All the positives are in his favor. I think he's going to end up at like a 3.25-ish ERA. I'm crazy about this kid. He's one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. He's definitely a guy you want to root for considering what he's been through. Um, and. I don't quite think he's got the upside to reach, you know, what your what your bold prediction is projecting him for. I think like his top line is somewhere between twenty five and thirty, so just a hair away. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that's going as a top, like you know, I think he's just inside the top fifty overall, and he could very easily return top thirty value. Ballpark's good. I think the team is a little underrated, to be honest. Um, NL, um, I don't ever think the K rate is going to be outstanding. I think like he's like an eight and a half per nine guy at best. No, nah, you're mistaken there. Well, uh, okay. Well, to each their own. I don't know where the K's come from without a third pitch. But. Well, the, the curve is really, really good, and he's got a good – the four-seamer is nice. Well, he's got a good change. No, the changeup's bad. Okay. Change up is bad, but it's okay. that's it's it's bad, but <laughs> we'll we'll agree to disagree. Um, yeah, but I mean, he he gets the grounders. He's a contact management type with a, an A plus K per nine, and that's enough. That's enough as long as he can manage the contact. I don't know what's on. Nah, no? yeah, I don't know my dad. Okay. All right. Uh, I believe it's my turn. Jose Barrios, who we talked about earlier, going inside the top 30 starting pitchers, ends the year outside the top 70. Whoa, that's bold. There's no questioning that Barrios has the stuff to be outstanding. The curveball is absolutely filthy. And the fastball is also above average. But at this point, he's really a two-pitch guy. And I think the stuff plays down a level because of his pitchability. He doesn't generate the swing strike rate you would expect considering the stuff, 9.4%. He also doesn't have great control. Barrios is a fly ball pitcher, so the home run could be the problem. And, I mean, if the peripherals are any indication, and if you look at his peripherals, his, I believe his FIP was 4.5 plus last year. This prediction isn't that bold. Um, and I, I just, I, I look at him and I, and I think that we're kind of at this point, the, the parts are more than the sum of the whole with him. 
and we're kind of projecting him up a level beyond where we should. Um, you know, he should, I think he should be going where Tyone is going as opposed to a top 30 starting pitcher at this point. And I could very easily see him just get blasted by the homer. Yeah, I mean, I already, uh, I already talked about Berrios. I- I'm totally on board with this. I mean, I, I just, there's just so many red flags. He's just so expensive. I mean, I don't think he'll be outside the top top seventy. It is definitely bold, but there's no way he's going to be in the top thirty. Yeah, I think he's either going to be really good or really bad. And when I thought he when I when he came up, I thought he was going to really excel as far as K per nines go, but he hasn't. And the swinging strike isn't that sexy either. So uh, I don't know. I I, I don't. I don't really see the upside as much as I did when he was coming up because he just has not taken any steps whatsoever in the right direction yet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on the uh, the starting pitcher bull prediction. So mine is someone who I've talked about a lot already, but I'm just gonna pound him down a little bit more, and that's Dallas Keuchel. Uh, he finishes outside the top 65. So wow. at, yep, after a Cy Young year where he had 230, you called me bold. Where, where he had 232 innings and an 8.38 K per, K per nine. Keiko's averaged 156 innings, a 7.71 K per nine, and a 3.72 ERA over the past two years. He's the 17th overall pitcher right now, and we're paying for essentially innings and a low ERA from a guy who's been banged up, is banged up, so the innings aren't a guarantee, and he's going to be highly prone to bat swings putting the ball on the ground so much. Not to mention that last year, he had a greater than 20% homer per fly ball rate. So yeah, sure, you can point to the fact that pretty much he never puts the ball in the air, but still he got measurably worse at giving up home runs when batters did square the ball up against him. Um, 17 is just far too rich for a guy with this injury history, recent failures, and the need for luck. Well, I am completely on board with you, number one. I am not a Keiko guy just because there is no upside with the K rate. I just don't see it. And then you look at who's going in front of him. Guys with huge upsides in James Paxton, Garrett Cole, Jose Quintana. Joe, and just let everyone know, yes, Joe is a, a huge Astros fan. That's his team. Who would you rather have in a vacuum this year, in a vacuum, Cole or Keiko? I mean, Cole. Okay. I mean, I think I made that pretty clear. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's going 20 picks later. I just wanted to say. Pat, go ahead, go. Yeah, I'm going to turn against you guys here. I'm going to turn heel. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of Keuchel, and I think that he's sort of the exception to the rule. Um, and I think there's a couple of guys that are like this. Um, uh, Kyle Hendricks is another. Um, you know, yes, he walks a fine line in terms of his velocity, Yes, he doesn't generate um, quite the Ks that you would want to, but he's an elite contact guy. I do not think that he is, quote-unquote, susceptible to luck. Um, He's got an elite defense behind him, and he generates an awful lot of soft contact. I believe he led the majors um, in soft contact percentage last year. Now, Joe, you rightfully pointed out that with Keuchel, you're, you're partly buying the innings. And they're not there, um, at least 
I, I shouldn't say they're not there, but they are less likely to be there than they've been in the past because he is banged up. So I, I can understand pushing him down, but I mean, at worst, I think you're looking at like 150 to 130 really, really good innings in terms of ERA and whip. So I can't foresee a you know, season outside the top 65. I could see a season where he falls somewhere between 30 and 40 just because he doesn't have the volume. But I'm 17th is a little rich, but I'm not against it. Um, you know, inside the top 25. Okay, Nick, I believe you're up. All right, I'm up again. So I was gonna, I have, so I have two guys left. I was gonna go with Puig, but I just really want to talk about <laughs> Nate Carnes. I'm like dying to talk about Nate Carnes. Um, so I just couldn't really come up with a like bold prediction as far as like what where Carnes will finish. Um, so I will say this: that Carnes, who is going in the nether rounds, here's my bold prediction: will finish as a top fifty starting pitcher. That's friggin' bold. Yeah, c- c- no, kind of. Top fifty? Uh it's like the Dylan Bundy area, Jameson Tayon area. It's pretty. Yeah, good. it's bold. Sure. Yeah. Bold. Okay. Um, I couldn't go too crazy with this one because it's Nate Carnes and. He's coming off of the thoracic outlet syndrome, which has plagued, you know, it's not been a good injury for pitchers. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, Pat, is it, it, that's what Matt Harvey had, correct? Yeah, and Tyson Ross. And Tyson Ross and Chris Carpenter. And, Ooh, Tyson and, Ross, and, and there are, remember him? Yeah, and there are some other guys as well. He's back. He's back. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but Jaime Garcia did uh, have this injury as well, and he was – somewhat successful after it. I mean, he's he's been able to pitch. Uh, it sounds but, like he's talking himself out of this. Right no. Go far in spring training. The reports on Karn to this. The velo is up. Obviously, that's the most encouraging aspect of Karn so far this year. He has a 2.08 ERA, and he's coming off a year where he was really friggin' good in, in a short period of time. Uh, his K per nine upside is around the 10 mark, and he doesn't walk, guys. Um the leash is really long because the Royals really don't have anyone else battling to get into the rotation right now. So it, it's really all about injury. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, Pat, you were a Carnes guy a couple of years ago, right? I was Karn, I was a Carnes guy last year. Okay. And you were you were right if he, if he didn't get injured because he was really freaking good at limited time. Yep. So I'm, I'm willing to buy in at this price. Uh, if the, It's all about health. And if he stays healthy – we're, none of us can say that he's not going to return major value. Correct or incorrect? I don't think that I can say that for sure based upon the injury. And well, what no, we've what seen due to pitchers. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, putting, like if, if he stays healthy. Yeah, but it's not about health. It's about – it's like when a guy comes back from Tommy John and you can't count on the command and control, yeah. except his command and control could completely be gone. Like, it could be the worst-case Tommy John scenario times 10. I mean, he's been good in spring training so far. Like, really good. And the, yeah, and, spring training. And two greater than 20% whiff rate pitches. Mm, that's yeah, kind no, of I, I mean, I don't want to be – I don't want to sound like the guy that's down on Carnes because I'm not. 
Um, you know, I, I bought into <clears throat> a change in pitch, pitch mix that he had last year. Um, the fact that the VLO is up is great. The fact that he's looked good is great. The fact that he's free is great. Um, I think he's completely capable of putting together uh, a season that, you know, Nick laid out, which is a guy that's going to get around a, a Ted K per nine. Um, last year he had the ground ball rate, which I don't think he had in prior years to my recollection. Yeah. And yeah. if he, you know, it, 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 it's like I said about, it's like I've said about Cahill before too. I mean, if you can combine the K's and the grounders, that's, that's what you want. Because I mean, especially in that ballpark, he's going to keep the ball in the yard and, if he's striking guys out and he's getting ground outs, he's going to be, he's going to be valuable. Like I see him and I see him as a guy that could put together like, um, sort of that half step below that Rich Hill sort of class, which is like 130, 140 at the best case innings with like a three, seven, five, three, eight ERA and like tick below 10 K per nine. Like that's that's what I think Carnes can give you, and I think that's extremely valuable. And this is your last pitcher, so I mean, if he comes out and he lays three eggs in April, you're probably not starting him for at least one of them, and then he's cut, and you, you know you move on. But there could be upside here, absolutely. So the, I'm with the, it. The question, oh, Joe, do you have anything to add? Yeah, Nate Carnes is the guy you. You walk up to the board and put the sticker on when Nick and Pat are so smashed in round 27, and you go, <laughs> profit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, except I don't have a pick in round 27, you jerk. <laughs> so the question to both of you is this. His ADP right now is 528, which is obviously free. Um, He's free. Yeah. He's not being drafted. So for both of you, is he worth a draft pick in a 12-team league st- standard stats? It depends on the size of your league. If you're talking about a league, well, got, team league. Like yeah, 20, so it depends 20, on the size of your bench. Typically, it's like 24, and in that case, like 24 players, and in that case, probably not. No, See, but if you get closer to 30, then yes. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. I Wait, think what do you it. think? Yeah, no, I, I, I have him like legit th- like 220 picks ahead of his ADP. Yeah. So he's... So so he's definitely uh, rosterable, and for me, I think he's the perfect guy to just end your draft with last guy, take a shot, and if he stays healthy, he's money. If he gets hurt, you lose out. If it's the last round, so who cares? All right. I know Nick's answer. Joe, Trevor mm. Cahill or Nate Carnes? Carnes. Yeah. Nice. Carnes, too, because he's nice. got the job. But they're like – they're forever linked in my mind. Oh my god! You're you're worse than me. I swear. I used to be that guy, the Trevor Story guy. You like guys now, and you got to bring them up every friggin' podcast. <laughs> now it's Trevor Cahill. Now we're not, we're never gonna stop hearing about Trevor Cahill till. till hey, wait a second. Home. Wait a second. I've I've haven't brought up Trevor Cahill at all up until this episode. That's not true. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, until this episode, but you just started to get on board with him. You're like texting us and. And you're in the group chat talking about him. It's just who's, all uh, about who's, who's your outfielder? I forgot his name already. Oh, I was going to say, I, this was where I was going, Joe. That was going to be the punchline. <laughs> oh, which was, man. I haven't brought up Ryan Cordell tonight. <laughs> 
But now Charlie we're talking Tilson. about Ryan Cordell. Charlie Tilson Jr. All right, here we go. So, Franchi Cordero. This is Franchi. Oh, oh, here we go. Franchi Cordero is this year's Domingo Santana Yo. and out-earns Santana himself. Yes. Wow. Franchi Cordero was top 10 in fly ball line drive velocity. He was above average on barrels per plate appearance. He had a 38.8% hard contact percentage. And, yeah, he has plenty of swing and miss. I am talking about Cordero, by the way, not Domingo Santana. They sound extremely similar. But Cordero has one thing that Santa does not. Santana does not. A starting job. Or, at minimum, the strong side of a platoon. Swing and miss is an obvious issue. And as this is a crowded situation, the same could be sent for Santana. And Cordero's situation isn't as crowded. Cordero has cemented himself with a really good spring. If Franchi can keep the K rate around 30%, which he has done this spring, he could pull a Santana type line. High 20s power, teen speed. And like a 265-ish batting average in the middle of Nick's favorite lineup with the amazing Will Myers and the awesome Eric Hosmer getting in front of him. How is he getting into this lineup? He's the starting outfielder. (laughs) I I actually don't know where he plays either. Probably, Probably left? It's left or right. Yeah. Okay. Starting. So where is Myers playing? Myers is playing in the other corner. And where is Margot playing? Center. Center. Okay. And you're missing someone. Jose Carlos. Yeah. Gonna play second. Or. Oh, do they say it now? Is it locked in that he's gonna play second? No, but speculation has been that Perella is going to kind of be the utility guy. And Cordero is going to be the strong side of the platoon in the corner outfield. Okay. Joe, jump in on Cordero because you both like him. Well, so, yo, uh, Franchi. I mean, the, the, the real problem is, is that he, like, can't hit anything. But when he does, he crushes it. And when he's right. on base, he's stealing. So, so. Um, so is he Keon Broxton or is he Domingo Santana? Neither. Uh, it's probably going to be Kia Broxton, but He's I love him. It's probably going to be, but it's <laughs> worth a shot. It's a bold prediction. <laughs> yeah. He's worth, I mean, he's worth a, a late-round flyer for sure. Like, that I'm definitely buying. No. See, I don't think he's worth a draft pick. Um, he doesn't have the speed and power, I think, that, you, that you're both t- comparing him to Keon Broxton. No way. Sorry. Um, yeah, the K rate maybe, but not the speed and the power. Um, I'm not really that big a Wait, fan. What? No, definitely. What? Definitely. He had one. He had one r- pretty good year in AAA. That was it. Well, you, oh, you're talking about his single A years and uh, when he played in Lehman High School. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Franchi played in Lehman. I'd no, be so I'm out. sad. Joe, go. I uh, know. I already went. I love him. Franchi's a man, but I, I think mean, he's... who's your, who's your next move guy? On to your next oh, 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 oh. You don't want to talk about Franchi Cordero. Cordero. <laughs> this oh, is the okay. best name in baseball. All right, so so yeah, you don't want to talk about him. 
so Adam Eaton shrugs off the the one scary injury uh, of a torn ACL, blasts through 100 runs easily, oh, and finishes as top 30 player. Top 30 player, not outfielder. Eaton what? was pac- Eaton was pacing out for 150 runs scored before he blew out his knee. 150 in like three games, Joe. It was like 20. <laughs> So now, obviously, I don't think he's going to get that many. But he, his, with his ability to get on base and the crazy offense behind him, I think 110 is like a median estimate. With like 130 being, oh my god, super high prediction. Eden really comes down to your belief if he'll come back healthy and run. And as I've discussed before, I don't think the ACL tear is that big of a deal anymore. It was a freak injury landing on first base weird. Um yeah, I think I think he could be a top thirty outfielder. Or a top thirty player. Pat, go ahead, you go first. Um I am a big fan of Adam Eaton. I think this is an extremely high end projection. Yeah. Um I do think there is the potential that he can run more than he did last year. Um, you know, again, small sample, but I, I could totally see him. What was what was his pace for steals, Joe? Oh my god! Play, Forget uh, the pace. He played twenty games. Play play uh, play, play some well, play some me finding Adam Eaton stolen bases music. He played okay. twenty three games and. He would have paced out for probably right around 15, 16. No, okay, 20, yeah. he would have paced out for 24 stolen bases. Okay, so yeah, that was why I was asking because I was going to say that he could he could run at like a mid-20s level, I could see. Um, and then if the power is mid-teens and he's hitting 300 and, he scores and he's scoring all those runs, then yeah, he could be a top 30 player. Woo! Um, so yeah, but I'm with it. Like he's he's a player that is um, not terribly expensive. He's in an elite lineup in an elite in a, in a position where he can take advantage of that elite lineup. Um, yeah, the the ceiling isn't terribly high, but he's he's fantastic, and I'm ninety five percent sure that if he doesn't get hurt, he's going to return value at his cost. Twenty nine, George Springer. You're bugging, Joe. Um, yeah, so with Eaton, I don't see too much upside in power. I don't see too much upside in speed. I don't care what he paced out for last year. He's not that f- fast on the bases. Bottom line, I test. He's not. He was a 15, 18, 14 stolen base guy in the White Sox. I don't see where this is going to change now after blowing out his knee this year. I, I just don't get it. I see him as a guy who is going to go 15-15 at best. Yes, he may get the stolen bases. Yes, the OBP will be nice, as we can't say anything about that. Um, but that's about it. And his chances of finishing in the top 30, I would literally give it a 3% chance. Maybe even a 1% chance. Oh, my God. I hope he finishes in the top There's 30. There's no way. I hope so. There's no way. There's no way. But – my next guy is definitely going to finish in the top 30. But my projection is that he will finish as a top 10 outfielder. 
Yaziel Puig. Oh my god, you haven't talked about him so much already. I haven't. Um, listen, I I absolutely love Puig. I think that the, the friggin' price this year, I don't get it. Can someone tell me why he's going at like 110 overall? Because he's been really bad before. He has not been really bad, actually. He, he really has never been really bad. He's always hit for good average. He's always gotten on base. And if you pace out uh, 2016, he only put, he only had 368 at-bats. You're still looking at 15-plus home runs, which isn't great, I know. Uh, but we all know he could hit, could hit more, which he did last year. Uh, close to 10 steals, a good average, and, and good counting stats. Um, look, bottom line is this. He finds himself in the middle of a really good Dodger lineup. The power is there. The power is real. He's going to, I think, hit. Right? Have it right here. 30 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 285 average. He is and will – he is very Justin Upton-esque as far as the home runs, stolen bases so totals will go as the years go by. But I think he has a very, very nice upside as far as batting average goes. He's extremely patient. He doesn't strike out. He walks a ton. He makes good contact. And he's only getting better. When he started out, he's an extremely immature player and very difficult to deal with. But it seems like he's evolving into the guy that we all hoped and thought he would be. So I think last year was just one big step. And this year will be an even bigger second step. I love Puig. Okay, I'm almost lockstep with you on your projection. That still doesn't put him in the top 10, though, for me. Nick so, likes him because that's his calling card. Immature and hard to deal with. <laughs> Joe, why don't you just shut up? Don't encourage me. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think we're all... I am going to stun you so hard Saturday. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I said, immature and hard to deal with. You're going to sell it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we all love Week here. Like, he's he is a player that, you know, broke through in terms of power and speed or re-broke through, um, probably deserved better in terms of the batting average. So, I mean, if you're looking at a guy that can pop 30 – steel teens and then you get the batting average to 285 290 um in the middle of the dodgers lineup where i presume he's going to be the cleanup hitter now or the three hitter because turner's out um you know for whatever length of time turner's out he's going to put forth much better run in rbi totals than he did in in the last uh than he did last year so i think he's I think he is one of the more attractive outfield options after the elite guys go off the board. Absolutely. Okay. I think that moves us along to risers and fallers. So we're just going to briefly discuss some guys that have moved up and down for us. Um, my first is Lance McCullers. He's heading into the year healthy and armed with a new two-seam fastball that looks like a wiffle ball. It is completely filthy. Combine that with the curve and the ability to produce Ks and generate grounders. It's the total package. Yes, the injury risk is there, but I've got several pitchers inside my top 35 that are no certainty beyond 130 innings. I'll take my shot on the pure ability with McCullers over most. 
Um, my second riser is, is Chris Taylor. Um, Taylor was a player I identified early on last year as a potential breakout. Again, as Nick likes to emphasize in a somewhat tongue-in-cheek manner, the numbers are the numbers, but sometimes you have to watch them play. And where most are baking in regression for Taylor, I think he might be taking another step. His play yes. discipline and patience really took a step up in the postseason last year with 10 Ks, 11 walks, over 70 plate appearances. This spring, he's walked 10 times and struck out just four in 45 plate appearances. Those skills stabilize pretty quick for a hitter. If Taylor can cut his strikeout rate, keep his power gains, the BABIP, which most people like to point out as an obvious regression point, won't matter. Thoughts on those two? You didn't mention the eligibility on Chris Taylor. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got second in outfield in um, leagues where you're looking at 20 games. He's got shortstops if it's 10 or more. So if you're looking at second short outfield, that's pretty nice as well. Yeah. But so really listen about the players' production. On an, in a nutshell, I I really like both guys, uh, and I echo everything you said. I think that McCullers is a guy that obviously has, uh, I think, the higher upside because if he does stay healthy, he could just be, he could be insane. We're all waiting for it, especially Joe. Uh, but yeah, I'm on board with both guys. I like it. Yeah, yeah me too. Is like one of those guys that's outside the. Top thirty that could conceivably be in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. If, if the best best case happens. Yeah, Sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, no, the yeah, I, I was a high man on Chris Taylor, and I don't get the that the reason why everyone's baking in regression. I think he can score even more runs and be elite in that category. So yeah, I'm cool with it. Uh, my my risers were or Jose Perella. Uh, so this is a hundred percent Nick's boy, but after watching a few at bats this spring, yes, um, yeah, Nick, I, I, yeah, I give you credit, man. Perello can definitely hit, and he has the power to. I, I think not close to twenty home runs if he's given the plate appearances. Um, he, he's he's uh he was he was previously in the mid twenties for me in terms of second second baseman, but now he's safely in the low twenties, and I think um he's definitely a guy to target. In the very very late rounds, um, as a as a late round flyer, I think I think he could be one of those guys this year that um, that like comes out of nowhere and and pops pops that mid or low twenties home run power. The second guy, um, this is kind of like a cop out, but it's Madison Bumgarner. Um, so on the pitching pod, I was a little worried that he he had a mile per hour velo drop last year, which is really sort of like a two mile per hour velo drop with the adjusted guns. Um, but he's looked vintage Bumgarner this spring, and I'm not moving him up from sixth overall starting pitcher. I feel much more confident in taking him than I did even just a few weeks back. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Bumgarner um, because I watched him pitch the other day. Isn't the velocity up, like, big? I don't actually know. I thought I saw I thought I thought saw something. Oh, no, no. I, his velo was down last year, though. No, I know, but I'm saying I think this spring he's pumping, like, mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 totally on board again. So yeah, me too. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought up Bumgarner. I watched him pitch the other day in a spring training game, and he looked like he was pitching in Game Seven of the World Series, <laughs> like in a tie ball game. Um, so I think, and you know, Pat said it uh, a couple of a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about him, like that, you know, he 
he obviously messed up last year with that injury, and he's just such a gritty, just insanely competitive guy that he's going to try and come back and be better than ever this year. And I, I'm really buying into that with Bumgarner. It's just in his nature, and he has looked really, really good. So uh, I think that his ADP is is definitely worth it, and he's money if you get him at the end of the second round, which early third, which I see him going right now in, in some mocks that I'm in. And Perella is just the greatest. I love him. Yeah, Perella is the perfect guy to take as your Nate Carnes pick if you want to go with a hitter instead of a pitcher. Yeah. Because he is free, and you can get him, and he's got considerable upside and will likely see the playing time this year, I think. All right, Nick, Uh, tell us who you're rising on. All right, so I'm rising on Brandon Rogers. Uh, I know you guys, I, we haven't spoken about him much this year, uh, but oh last God, year. I feel like we've talked about him on every episode. Really? Joe? No. No, not at all. God. No, I don't think we've spoken about Brendan Rodgers at all. Yeah, not that much. Um, all right, fine. I'm going to speak about him now, though. First of all, he's looked great this spring so far. Uh, 49 at-bats. He's got an 842 OPS. He's been in the lineup regularly and at the top of the lineup, which is pretty encouraging. And he's been at the top of the lineup with a lot of the studs in the lineup. Uh, DJ LeMayu, Carlos Gonzalez, some of the other big names. He's been at the top. So uh, this may be his year, finally, to get up, get in that lineup. Uh, Trevor Story, as we know, does go through prolonged cold streaks. And if Brendan Rodgers is given the chance, I mean, his swing is redonkulous. He's playing in cores. And he could just step in and do some real, real, real friggin' damage. I'm all over him. What do you guys think about him as a prospect? I love him as a prospect, but I think you're a year early. Yeah, I think you're a year early. He's got 30 games at double A. And there's just so many guys. Yeah, and he hit 260 with a 730 OPS there last year. And there's Ryan McMahon, David Dahl, and Ramil Tapia in front of him in terms of guys that are close to the majors that will probably be called upon before he is. Um, he's going to need an injury or severe ineffectiveness from Story to get the call. I, I just don't see it. Okay, but you do like him as a prospect in the future. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's okay. a middle infielder with, you know, offensive skill that plays in cores, of course. Okay. Um, my next guy, Joe. I'm not giving up on him. Oh my God, Sean Newcomb. Uh, um, you know what he's going to do? He's going to nuke him when he uh, when he pitches this year. So listen, I I, I I I hate guys that walk people. I really do. Uh, I like strong K to walks. That's probably my first ca- uh, category that I look at when I'm drafting pitchers or doing any research on pitchers. But with Newcomb, I am just such a huge fan of his pitch mix. It is bananas. His curveball, the slider, everything he throws is just pure filth. And misses. Um, we're going to get to that. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're going to get to that. Um, get last, him, Joe. Get him. Last year, 19.6 swinging straight on the change, uh, 17% string, swinging strike on the slider, 13.5 on the curveball, and he also has some, a pretty healthy swinging strike on the four-seamer. Um, so the K rate is obviously – there is no debating it that it could easily get to and stay around 11 per nine. Okay, having said that, so far, this spring training – in 15 innings pitched, oh, he has man. a zero a point. 
He has zero point. Shut up, that. He has a zero point nine one whip and a two point three five ERA. Um, he looks great. I feel like if this guy could somehow find a little command at age twenty four and being on the Braves, who have some voodoo magic with their pitchers a little bit, we could see him take a step in the right direction. I like Nukem. I think he's going to be good this year. When was the last time the Braves had voodoo magic with their pitchers? Julio Tehran that one year? <laughs> that <What>? one year. <laughs> hey, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox. That one year. How many? How, what's, uh, what's five walks in 15 innings? Let's see. Uh, I'll do the math. But you don't have to. Just No, I want to do the math. It's three for nine. No? Yeah, you dumbass. No, yeah. it's not. No, because it would be 18 innings. No, I'm wrong. He said 15 innings, five walks. Uh, yeah, it's three. Three, three, three. Yeah, I mean, that's not so bad. But no, it's 15 it's innings. Bad. So it's 15 innings. Um, yeah. Listen, he's he once again is your most likely your last pitcher this weekend. So... If you want to take the shot that he's found the control and not found it, but he's he's gotten to the point where he's usable with the control. He's obviously got significant K upside. He's an NL pitcher. Sure, why not take the shot? Um, I don't care for him because I don't think he's found the control. And I don't think he can command the stuff either. So, I mean, if if you can be effectively wild, if you can be Francisco Liriano, I can deal with the walks. I don't know that Nukem can do that. And I think there are other pitchers, like the aforementioned Corns, who I would rather take the shot on, because I think Corns can actually command his stuff unless the injury is taken in away from him. Much rather have Carnes. Nick, who do you have, Carnes or Nukem? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to answer that. You have to answer it. You mean you don't want to answer it? Carnes. <laughs> Thank you. Carnes. <laughs> Carnes. All right. So fallers. My first faller is Jacob Faria. Um. Now we were pretty high on Faria when we talked about the starting pitchers uh, way back when. But this spring, Faria has not only lacked control with six walks in eight and one-thirds innings pitched, but the Ks have not been there with just three. Now, yes, that sample is small, but as I've stated with the hitters that I've discussed tonight, Ks and walks are among the final things, are among the first things to stabilize, which, Nick, to, to your point, gives you a little more backing for Sean Newcomb. But Faria hasn't just had poor control. He's been very hittable. He's given up 15 hits. Could some of it be Babip with subpar defenders behind him? Of course. But if he's walking guys, not striking them out, and giving up hits everywhere, it's he's still going to be in trouble. And he's... In the wrong division to struggle, especially, I mean, even out of the gate. Um, he's looking at the Yankees. He's looking at Boston. 
Blue Jays and the Orioles are no joke either. And all those parks are bad. Korea has gone from a pitcher with number three SP upside to me, a sleeper, to a pitcher I would only take if he came at a greatly reduced rate. Wow. My other faller is Corey Seager. I was a big fan of Seager. I actually thought he was a little underrated when we began this process. I want to say underrated by the expert community. I think that's the right way to put it because I think I was pretty much in line with the market. I've come around to the point of view that Seager is a little overrated, but it has less to do with his potential production um, and more to do with the fact that I'm concerned about that elbow problem. Now he has come back. He has hit, but Seager provides zero value with his legs. So it's all about the bat. And if the power is affected or the average is affected by the elbow, he's going to plummet. I just think the elbow is too much of a risk considering the cost. Uh, so I'm kind of against you, I think, on both guys. Uh, but but I do – I will say this. Um, with Seager, I, I am also a little worried about the – with the elbow. We spoke about it the other day off air. Yeah, me too. Um, but – as far as shortstops go, he's kind of the end of a really strong tier. So I don't. I, I just want to say I don't hate the ADP, uh, but I am, yes, I am a little worried with with with, with Seager. With Faria, I'm really not that that worried. It is spring training, and walking guys this much is just not in his repertoire. He hasn't done it really any year, even dating back to his his single A ball years. He's always had pretty decent command and control. Um, I like the upside as far as K per nines go. Last year, 8.72. I think that could go up to something like nine and a half. Uh, I really like the breaking stuff. I like I, I like Faria a lot, actually, as a, as, a, as a late ADP guy who could return some serious value. Uh, so I'm not so much worried about him. But Seager, a little bit. Not a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Faria might be nicked out a little bit. Um Maybe, maybe he's feeling something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with Nick here. I'm not too worried about Faria just yet. He's got, he's got enough pitches to be able to handle uh, both lefties and righties. Seager, I'm definitely more worried about though because of the injury. Um, so my fallers, I got Ian Desmond. So Desmond has looked absolutely lost at the plate so far this spring, and uh, with so many different options in Colorado, the leash is going to be very short. Um, he struck out 46% of the time this spring. So in 39 at-bats, he's got 18 strikeouts. I originally had him at 20, 29 outfielders are coming into my rankings, um, and I'm shifting him down to 42 easily, especially with the signing of Cargo. Um, Desmond doesn't have a lot of playing options unless he comes out of the gate swinging the bat well, and he hasn't so far. So um, he's definitely fallen down for me. The second faller is actually a guy that we hotly debated during our starting pitching preview, and that's Masahiro Tanaka. So um, I had him aggressively ranked, and um, with that said, his stuff hasn't looked particularly sharp this spring as he's given up four home runs in only eight innings pitched. I mean, it's only eight innings. It's super small, and I still think he's probably good for a bounce back. Um as he's got 13 strikeouts 
in those same eight innings. So the K rate's still good. But um, I'm sliding him down from my 20th overall starting pitcher to mid-20s now. That's it, Joe. Come to the dark side. Ooh, Joey. <laughs> uh, I completely, completely agree with your sentiment on Desmond. I'm extremely worried as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. I, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good um, and that was a good uh, ad. I, I think he's a guy that on draft day, some people will look at and be like, oh, what's that shiny thing? Oh, it's still there, but there's definitely some worry right now in Colorado. I am definitely worried. He dropped a lot in my ranking. He struck out eighteen times and he's walked once. Yikes! And that's that's been his Achilles heel in some years. I mean, he had he had his strong years where he was good as far as the keys go, but that one bad year in between, I believe he struck out like an insane amount of times. That's a two and a half percent walk rate. Yeah. Not good. Tanaka is the best though. You're an idiot, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think we need to go back into Tanaka again. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go. And if you don't mind the guy I'm going to bring up right now, I'd like to talk about him and then we could all talk about him and then go into the next one. Because sure. we haven't spoken about him that much on this pod, whereas he's been spoken about on every pod so much, on every TV show, on everything, Otani. Um, you know, we talked about him here and there, but not as much as most. That was before we saw a lot of him. That's true. So now, yeah. So let's talk about Otani from what we've saw. We've all watched him, I believe. Yep. Um, and Joe, your sentiment on Otani was that Will he find the command? If he doesn't have the command in the bigs, he is going to have an inflated ERA, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to say this about Otani. I'm going to I'm going to say this right now in drafts, his ADP is still strong. He's still going within the top 60 picks as a pitcher. He to me has looked so rattled on the mound, uh, not just missing his locations all over the place. I mean, completely missing. Um, if, if anyone, like, have you guys watched him at all? Yeah. Yeah. Are we, are we like, a uh, scale from one to 10, worried about the control? Give me a number. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, what I was... is absolute panic and what is, I'm not worried at all. Yeah. Guess... So I, I'm like 7.5 worried. Yeah. But okay. So the, Absolute panic is 10. Yeah. And not worried at all is one. Yep. 3.5. I'm oh, like, wow. Like five and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. So here's the thing with Otani right now, he's so much in the spotlight that everyone is judging every single one of his pitches. So when he throws like one filthy breaking ball, it gets tweeted and everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But if you did that to Garrett Richards, you'd be like even more, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And he's going like a hundred picks later. And when you weigh out the risk in both players, it's kind of similar. Like you have the injury with Richards and then you have the Otani who's never played in the bigs and it was terrible in spring training. Absolutely terrible. Not just bad, like another level of bad. Um, I get it. He hasn't pitched that much, but from what I've seen, I just don't trust him at all. And I have his ADP so far lower than I originally had it. Um, so what are your thoughts on Otani now that we've seen him pitch is my question. Pat, I'll let you take this one first. Because um, you were the big Otani guy. Yeah, and then you jumped on 
and now you're jumping off. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty much holding steady. I, I, I think I've pushed him down my overall board, but I think I've pushed down that group of pitchers, generally speaking. Um, so I don't like well, who that, that group is. Keiko is among that group. Um, Nola, um, Arietta, Hendricks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to put some names to, to the yeah, group. Yeah. I think that, you know, you're, you, you have kind of have like your, your elites, your, your top four. And then I think you've got a pretty, you know, like a, like a, you could either divide that group from, uh, Bumgarner or Syndergaard on through Archer into two or three tiers, but you know, they're all similar quality pitchers. And then after that point, I think Archer or Quintana, depending on how you have them ranked, is kind of your cutoff. And then that next group of pitchers is. So, so Needle hasn't moved for you at all. You're saying not in terms of how I view him as a potential starting pitching option. Well, he ADP wise, he's going in between Quintana and Paxton. See, I wouldn't take him there, though. I have both those guys in front of him. Joe, what do you think about Otani? Well, okay, so he's been he's been hit or miss. So he's had he's had his, he's had I think one or two pretty strong outings. Um, but yeah, then he's, where they haven't recorded the statistics. Yeah, yeah, he's had like one or two strong outings, but then he's also been like all over the place too, and. And that's kind of what I thought he'd be. I thought he'd be a little over the place sometimes, and I thought he'd be real when he's sharp. He's really, really stinking good. Um, I, I, you know, he hasn't he hasn't pitched a lot. Nick, you said that, um, and I think that plays a role here, and I think it should play a role into us evaluating him for the 2018 season, not beyond. Um, he hasn't moved the needle much for me, only because I had him ranked 30th overall overall starting pitcher anyway. So um, I think at that point I'm still pro- probably okay with the K upside, even if even if he is a little wild at times. I mean, pitchers are flawed in that area anyway. Um, so I, I think he's I think he's shown me what I I, I thought he was. Do you like the ADP of seventy one overall in between Jose Quintana and and Paxton? Absolutely not. So where where does he become a pick for you? Where you start looking at him and like, oh, that's now well, he's I, I have him. I have him thirtieth overall. So let's see. Um, oh, so you have him. All right. So you're a lot lower on the ADP, Pat. Where, do you know where you have him overall? I think I've got him right around SP twenty-two. I want to say. Would you rather have him or Godley? I think I've got them neck and neck. I don't have my rankings in front of me. If you had to pick um, vacuum, just give me a guy. If I'm really secure with my if, – if it's my number two pitcher, I need Godly. If it's my third pitcher and I feel really secure about my top two, it's Otani. If yeah, it's I can buy that. the two and I don't feel secure, it's Godly. So they're Nick, 40, 40 picks apart. Nick, where do, you, where do you have him? Otani? Yeah. 
I have him at 35 overall now. So you're closer to me. Yeah. Like I'm like the way prices looked, I moved price way, way, way up my list. I mean, like yeah, I, I had price high anyway. So now price yeah, is ahead I of price him. Price high too. Oh, we didn't even talk about price as one of our risers. That was stupid. <laughs> Damn. I want to well, give away anyway. all the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> he looks, he looks, yo, it's all right, guys. <laughs> have you seen him? He looks really, really good. Yeah, I feel really accepted good. the fact that like he's not going to he's not going to fall where I would like him to fall, but that's okay. Yeah. All right, Nick, take us home last faller. My last guy. You know what? He's not a faller. He's a riser. Sorry, guys. I went with three rises. Um, oh, but God. It's, Tyler, it's Tyler Chatwood. Immature to... and hard to deal with. Shut up. <laughs> I wanted to throw him on the pod. It's a guy we haven't spoke about, not even once. Um, but I, listen, he's went from Colorado to Chicago. This I did talk huge... about him. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah yes. starting pitchers. Yep. All right. Well, I don't remember. But anyway, uh, so obviously listen to the podcast, man. Immature. <laughs> Huge uh, plus in change of venue for Chatwood, and he's looked really, really good this spring. Uh, so far, uh, sixteen innings, innings pitch, which obviously isn't a lot, but eighteen strikeouts, one point one nine WHIP. The walks look better. Everything looks better. I watched him pitch the other day, and he looked great to me. Super, super sharp. Um, and he's going right now at another pretty much free price. So keep Tyler Chatwood on your on your radars. The walk rate is obviously disgusting from last year, but he's not going to walk 4.69 again. I think it comes down to like 3.75, which is a really big drop. And if that happens, you're going to see a nice drop in ERA as well, especially now that he's in Chicago. Uh, so I like him as a late, uh, last roster fill for your starting pitchers on your team. Keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on this guy as the season starts. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was with Chatwood when he signed with the Cubs. Um, you know they've got that elite defense there. He's a ground baller, and I think you know his control. His control isn't going to be great. Um, it's it's going to be a negative, but. I don't think it's as bad as it was um, in Colorado because basically pitchers have to be two different pitchers between cores and everywhere else. Um, and I think the fact that he's going to be in a much more stable environment is going to help him. Um, and as a result, he'll throw more strikes on less balls and walk less guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with it. I, I think that he's a excellent, um, you know, last starter to have. Um, and I, and I think he's got a little bit of upside and I think Nick had hit the nail on the head in terms of the walk rate. Like I would probably put it at about three, seven. I was, yeah, I was going to ask what your base on ball projection for yeah, nine three, is. Three, seven, seven nine sounds about right to me. Okay. Joe, Joe? any thoughts on Chatwood? Nah, I got another nap. Let's end this. All right. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Guys, let them know where they can find you. Nick FWO. And this is the week. Tweet us. If you need help, tweet us. Yeah. Hit, hit us up. Joe FWO. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, we'll answer any and all questions about your draft upcoming, probably this weekend. Hit us up. Ask us. Yeah, and this time next week, we'll be right on the eve of uh, the uh, season opening, right, guys? 
Oh my god. Can't believe it's here. It's amazing, it's like right? Maybe we should wait a day to record. True. Maybe. Maybe that we'll do sense. that. Maybe we'll do a, a, a live as it happens opening day special. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys again for listening, and we will catch you next week. Sayonara, suckers. See you later. And we're clear. Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.